2: The rock and pearl is nice and cold. So juicy, sweet. To catch a fish. So juicy, sweet.
3: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Cognitive Recalibration Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Shravan. We don't have Tyrone here with us. I was almost going to do my normal intro there, and here's Tyrone, but no, he's, uh, I don't actually know what he's he up to today. We've got our replacement for Tyrone,
4: Sebaska. <laughs> <It's faster. laughs> I
3: thought it was <laughs> no, going to be you. Yeah. Tyrone was saying, you're, hey everyone.
5: you're his replacement. So, hey, everyone, isn't that what he says? Isn't that his intro? Yeah, it's usually just, yeah. hey, everyone. Yeah. And he's, is- Really, deep voice. <laughs> yeah.
3: hey, everyone. So, welcome Kiriti and welcome Baska. Baska's back from our Fellowship of the Ring yeah. episode. Hi, everyone,
2: good to be back. It's been a while. I feel like it's been a long time since we did uh, Fellowship. It has been a while. Yeah, yeah. and even Four weeks,
3: since three weeks, three weeks, and even since we watched Two Towers, I think
2: it's been a little, oh, little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, but it's yeah, it's been a while, but it's still fresh. It's still, yes, fresh. yeah. And apologies in advance. I got a very nasally voice because I've come down with a bit of a uh, golem fever. So, <laughs> if anything, will like help my golem impression, which I might crack out towards the end of the show. So here we go. Do the whole podcast <laughs> in, in golem voice. voice. In <laughs> Gollum voice. No, precious. No, not going
3: really be good. You know, Andy Serkis does the um, audible version of Lord of the Rings. So he narrates the whole book. Yeah. So he does all the. Obviously, he does the golem voice. Yeah, he goes full character. Yeah. So it's so <laughs> be cool. Dope. So obviously, we're talking about Two Towers today, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, as a follow up from our Fellowship of the Ring episode. And. Before we get into anything, I wanted to talk about TikTok and Instagram. So, obviously, we posted some stuff on TikTok recently and oh, it's yeah. got a lot of traction. So, we definitely know who gave the swords to Marion Pippin. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: If, if, if people have the- been watching and they're just waiting for a, for a correction, yeah, we know.
5: It was exactly
2: what Puji said. <laughs> yes. Pretty much yeah. because we are reading. It really was
5: making- not Tom Bombadil. <laughs> like, I'm going to fuck himself.
2: <laughs> so, they, so the, yeah, the, we're obviously reviewing the movies and the details are from the films, uh, which are inspired from the books. It's 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 a it's a good time to get like feedback, and I actually like the fact that people are uh watching those reels and, and commenting on it, even they, even if they think it's not correct. Please engage with us and let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's,
5: it's good. good. It's I good think people know. getting triggered by opinions is pretty funny, and so I would encourage more of it. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or TikTok yet, go ahead and do so because we're posting more stuff on there now
2: hopefully controversial stuff
3: (laughs) yes let's see what comes out of this episode so we'll do a bit of background on the movie and we actually didn't talk much about the books last time in terms of when they were written all of that stuff so i'll talk a little bit about that and then we'll talk a little bit about peter jackson actually in terms of his career and where what's happened post lord of the rings and then we'll jump on nothing nothing of value (laughs) well there's not there's not much to talk
5: about there and then we'll jump into our thoughts on on the movie. Well, here's a question: As you, so, you can start off with the books. Uh, you're going to not, about, not in- or are you can just start off with the movie. Start with the movie. Uh, okay. um,
3: we'll just touch on the books where we think it's relevant. Let me
5: know when you're going to start trivia about the actual books. Okay. Because I've got a question for you. I think Vasco already knows this question. Uh, he might know this answer. I think I've had the discussion with him. But okay. Yeah,
2: well, we do have a we'll trivia that section later. at
5: the end, so we'll do it then.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or if, if during the recap, if the question's like hitting a particular point in the narrative, yeah. you can then just I bring I it up. absolutely will not bring it up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, so Two Towers came out in 2002. 20 years ago. Yeah.
5: When did the first one come out? 2001? 2001.
3: Yeah,
4: 2001.
3: Yeah. So it premiered on the 5th of December, came out for us. On the twenty sixth of December, Boxing Day. Runtime is one hundred seventy nine minutes for the theatrical version, two hundred twenty three minutes for the extended version, which is the one. Oh shit! Wait, wait. So theatrical
2: is close to three hours. Yeah. Wow. Holy I don't shit. remember that. Yeah. yeah. Extended is nearly four hours. That's mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember it theatrical the being that long. I'm not surprised though. I'm not surprised at all.
5: And
3: we we watched the extended edition, so we're going to be commenting on on that as well. Yeah. Budget was ninety four million, which again was similar to sort of uh, fellowship levels. Box office-wise, what do you guys think it made? So, Fellowship, we predicted- So, Fellowship was, was just like under a billion in 2001. In 2001. Jobs. Yeah. yeah. Two 2000 towers is going to be more. 1.5. I'd say 1.3.
5: Is it less?
3: It's less. So, oh, it's, it's, it's less. still less than a billion. So, it was 947 million. So, it okay. was similar to Fellowship.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right.
3: But adjusted for inflation, 1.4 billion.
2: Oh, there you go.
5: Right. I'm surprised it didn't make as much as the Fellowship. It's far more interesting.
2: Sequels That's generally weird. tend to suffer from that the curse of like not having as much attention. Media-wise as well, it's like it's relying on the people who watched the first one.
5: Yeah. I yeah. guess maybe initial release and then... Subsequent. Just like yeah, kind of yeah. cool. There's
2: not including DVD sales and all that kind of stuff as well. So. That's right. Yes, yes.
5: yes. yes. Game sales. <laughs> game sales. <laughs> oh, Xbox yeah. game sales. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so books-wise, Fellowship was released on the 29th of July, 1954. So that was when it was published. Two Towers was published on the 11th of November in the same year, so six months later. Yep. And then Return of the King was a year later, so 20th of October, yep. uh, 1955. So they were all released like within a. I I
5: I reckon he kind of so
3: – He must have sure heard all of them. Yeah, he yeah. wrote them
2: all at once. Yeah. He, he right? didn't actually want to separate them to three. He wanted to release The Lord of the Rings as a book. The publishers were the ones who told Tolkien. no. It, oh, this was also during post-World War II where paper was crazy expensive. And A, it would be really expensive to print a massive like, encyclopedic volume of Lord of the rings. And B, no one would buy it because it's just too expensive and too big. So they, he had, it was actually had to be convinced to break it down into three. And then the naming of the three, he was like, oh, okay. That's right. He, he yeah. had a bit of a trek about that. And on, on that, so
3: there is speculation as to why this one was called 2000, which 2000 it's actually referring to yeah. in the book. So he, according to him, he settled on Orthanc and Minas Morgul. Uh, in, in terms of the books, right? They're so the, the tower in is oh, wow.
2: Isengard, wow. yeah, and the tower in Minas Morgul, which is right next it's to the Morgul Vale. Yeah, like yeah. it's
3: the border of uh, Mordor and Gondor. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah used it's, opposite, to
5: be a- it's opposite Minas Tirith, right? Because that's the essentially the border. Minas Tirith faces Minas Morgul. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what did it used to be called? He used be called something else. Yeah, it, it when it was uh, I know this because of the games. Yeah the it, it had a it had a name Shadow before I'm mistaken. I'm not It
2: was gonna- Minas something.
5: It was
3: Minas something else. Minas yeah. Ethil. Yeah. Minas Ethil? Yeah, I think so. Is it? Yeah. yeah. City of
2: Moon? Yeah. That's, no, what, I don't that's know. what it means. I don't know. Ethil? <laughs> yeah. Is that what Ethyl means? Ethyl means moon, yeah. Ah. In Sindarin. Uh, Shouldn't I say that? Sindarin. Oh, you're no, just I did, reading your I, notes.
5: Are you just reading your notes?
3: I'm yeah, like, just reading right. my notes. But I, I did read that it was called – so that was when it was inhabited by men, but then it got taken over by Mordor. Yeah. And that's yeah. when it became Minas Morgul.
5: Well, because I know in Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War, you're actually there and you're with the men that are defending it and you're kind of – because you're working in that at that time. And so it's really interesting because you don't realise where you actually are and then it gets taken over. By Sauron his forces, yeah. and you're like, oh my god, this is Minas Morgul! I didn't yeah. realize. I so was no, no, so
2: it was called Minas Ithil. Yeah, there you go. And it was the uh, Tower of the South. So it was it was once occupied by Isildur before it was taken over by the Nazgul. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Tolkien came up with the title under a deadline, and
3: later expressed expressed dissatisfaction with the title because he was forced to come up with something.
2: Yeah, minute. yeah, and he, he he was pretty dissatisfied with coming up with the name for the last one as well. Return, Return of, of the King. King. I think yeah. that was a publisher su- suggestion and he didn't want to name it Return of the King because it was like, that's spoiling the whole story. So he didn't want to call it that at all.
5: Well, when I was, or well, how old was I when Return of the King came out? I was like maybe 13. When did Return of the King come out? two thousand three. three, Right after, yeah. A year, oh, really? year after three. this, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I was 11. I thought Return of the King was very, it was a good name because it's ambiguous. Yeah. And also I wasn't. Very fo- Back then, I wasn't very focused on the fact that Aragorn was supposed to be king. I was like, shit, Sauron's going to come back. That's what I was thinking. I was like, right. you know, he's the dark king or whatever. Well, yeah. when, when
2: you say in the whole title, the Lord of the Rings, he's talking about Sauron, the return of the king, it sounds pretty dark. Yeah. yeah. and I, I remember thinking the same thing. This sounds sinister slash it could be hopeful. I don't know. Yeah. It's not confirmed yet.
3: Yes, yeah. but it was the last one. So I was thinking- Maybe it's probably not Sauron, honestly, and on a really tragic note. And further to your point about paper costs, so Tolkien also produced a final cover illustration showing the two towers, but the publisher decided not to use it in order to save money.
2: Wow. There you go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they just all over him, essentially. It'd
2: be really cool if he if there's still a Tolkien version of that book hidden somewhere with Christopher Tolkien's vault. Yeah. Because that'd be worth, uh, like it's a priceless relic if that exists.
5: Actually, I mean, we're kind of talking, we're alluding to the topic that I was going to kind of raise anyway. Yeah. Do you know how, we spoke about this. But do you know how he came up? You know what the story is behind him coming up with Lord of the Rings or how it all started? So, talking, uh, this is post war. I think he was a, so he was an English teacher and he was marking all these essays because I was, I just watched this on some documentary. And if you're a teacher, you'll probably realize, I don't know how many teachers you have listened to this podcast, but after you like, after probably the third paper or third essay that you're correcting, it gets really boring. So, he was getting really bored at what he was receiving and he thought it was all shit and it was all rubbish. And then someone, someone really did not give a shit, and they handed in a blank piece of paper as their essay. <laughs> and he loved it. And in the excitement of not having to correct anything, because it's a blank piece of paper, he just wrote, "There once was a hole, and in it lived a hobbit." And that's kind of. And then all of a sudden, he just came up with a story, and that was it. That was, that's kind the of hobbit. how it all started. Yeah. yeah. Um. So just out of the boredom of this <laughs> English teacher that really didn't want to mark any essays, and there was uh, a
3: story around his his child. Um, he used to, like, get a sign-off from Christopher, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he used to let his child read it before he published
4: it.
5: Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's how The Hobbit – I'm pretty sure the way The Hobbit worked for the first few years was it was a story that he read to his kids. Like, Correct. And read to his family. And I think people immediates knew about it and then only when he – I'm not sure about how the particular publishing worked and stuff, but then it yeah. kind of became this other thing.
3: I but, think Christopher convinced him to publish it because I think he didn't – Initially, want to
2: yeah. So I think from what I remember was Christopher was asking Tolkien questions all the time, and it'd be like, oh, but then we're, we're, how did Hobbit? How did Bilbo get the sword, or where did he go? Where did the dwarves come from? And he was asking so many questions that Tolkien got frustrated and uh-huh. wrote a book so that it's like, okay, I have a fax listed down, so you can't ask me questions that I trip up. You can't trip me up anymore. Similarly. So like that's how he started with the Hobbit, and then uh-huh. and then he, I think uh-huh. he started with that, and then he. Uh-huh. For what he created, it's like I'm always wondered what is in the mind of someone who creates such a big world. Yeah, like did he have these things in the back and he wanted to connect them, or did he have this underlying desire of like because he had this? We talked about this in the first podcast. He wanted to create a mythos for England. Did did he wind that passion into his storytelling, or was that the plan from the beginning of saying I want to create this epic work? I feel like it's something that's organic. It's just something that evolves. I, yeah. I, no one can plan for such a uh, epic world because he created languages, he created cultures. I think it's happened later. I think after
5: people have been inspired by him and his writings, then like Rowling kind of, she came up, once she figured out the idea for a story, it just all came to her and she kind of fleshed it out. I think once people already have this idea in their mind that you can create these worlds like Tolkien did, then they have a less organic to an extent process of fleshing it all out. But I think for him it was like this journey of also discovery of his own mind or how am I going to. This is a story I've created for my kids. How am I going to support all this stuff? You know, yes. It's pretty funny. I find it pretty funny that the Hobbit – I mean, yeah, in Lord of the Rings it's about Hobbits, but it's about so many other characters that we find really powerful, but it all just started with this random thought of uh, there's a Hobbit. Yeah, it's <laughs>
3: really Let's figure it out from there. It's really A kid's yeah. book, and then it expanded to much more. than that. Yeah.
5: yeah. Anything else on the books? before? I know, I know nothing
3: else about the books, to be honest.
2: <laughs> One thing on the books that I'll mention is the – so this film, there's a lot going on in this film. And I think the reason why is because if uh, so, if uh anyone's read The Two Towers, it starts off in, it's basically about two volumes, to two, uh, The Two Towers, because The Lord of the Rings, what Tolkien was planning to do, was write like six volumes and put it into one big book. But because he had to separate it, Two Towers has essentially two storylines. So it starts off with Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, their storyline chasing after Merry and Pippin and eventually going into another character's plotline. And then... It goes through their entire storyline, finishes the entire storyline for Two Towers, for their arc, stops, rewinds the time the clock back, goes and follows Frodo and Sam's journey. And then they go off until they reach literally beyond the scope of the movie in Two Towers. She loves layer on that kind of stuff technically comes under Two Towers in the book. But the way that the books were constructed, it's a bit of like a time rewind. Uh, so I actually think the movie... is a superior storytelling narrative because it actually stitches in all these arcs. So that's where George R.
5: Martin got it from then because he does that in his books. Yeah, yeah, where he goes back. He separates it. Yeah, like part one is a story and then part two you're going back to the timeline at the start of part one of the previous book and it's a different person's perspective and some people are totally left out of a certain book for a reason. Like Bran never ever comes back in like some of the books that he's written. So it's very similar to – I mean he's clearly – influenced by Tolkien so
2: must, it, it must have been influenced by a lot of that that writing and uh, you could tell from the books that Tolkien had a real challenge on his hands for syncing up events because it's like the only reason why we know the time was rewound was when the all the events happen in Two Towers stops, goes back and then it goes on to Frodo and Sam's storyline with Gollum and Smeagol, all that kind of stuff but towards the end when they're climbing up uh, Minas. The uh, when they're climbing up the stairs next to Minas Morgul. Sirith Ungol. Kyrith Ungol, yeah, the stairs to Kyrith Ungol. Kyrith, Kyrith. It's like they can see the battle of Minas Tirith happening as they're climbing up, which is events in Return of the King. Yeah. So the time flow is kind of really whacked out. Oh, and, shit. And all that happens in Two Towers for Sam Frodo. In the Frodo. book. So Sam and Frodo. Oh, that would have been epic to see
5: that in the movie. That yeah. That would have been awesome. They kind of do.
2: They kind of do. So when Minas Morgul lights up, yeah. it's like that one event that syncs up and then the Naz- multiple yeah, storylines. Nazgul's. Yeah, but that, <laughs> that, that happens in Return of the King. The that's that's yeah. Uh, in the books, it happens for Frodo and Sam in Two Towers. So it's interesting seeing how all that sync up. So there was a lot of challenge for the filmmakers to kind of cut and find out, like, well, which scenes are we going to put into the Two Towers? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there was some
3: scenes in Fellowship that were from Two Towers the book. Correct, like the um, death of Boromir. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens in the beginning of Two Towers for Aragorn and Legolas and the storyline. So. This was definitely definitely a challenge. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was was a huge challenge for the filmmakers to fit in. It was much more busier and I think in the pace of the film it shows. On the movie,
3: actually, I think Infinity War might have had some inspiration from this movie because in Infinity War there's uh, multiple characters again doing different things at the same time in the parallel. Correct, correct. And they're all grouped. Yeah, Yeah, they're all grouped. Similar sort of thing happens in this movie and I guess – to a lesser extent, in the next movie because they start coming back together in the next movie. But I think Infinity War might have had some inspiration from the way they shot this movie. Uh, Good point, yeah. Yeah, true. On that, so Peter Jackson. So before Lord of the Rings, he did a lot of very small budget uh, New Zealand-based films and then he did Lord of the Rings and then after Lord of the Rings that he's directed. So in 2005 he did King Kong, uh, which was another big budget movie and then he did a movie called Crossing the Line, which was a short film. Then he did... The Lovely Bones. Yes. Yeah. Which was a theatrical release. He produced. He was a producer on The Adventures of Tintin, the animated movie, and then he did the The Hobbit trilogy. And then after the Hobbit trilogy, he hasn't directed a theatrical movie, but he has directed three documentaries. Yes. So two Beatles documentaries and one uh, documentary called They Shall Not Grow Old, which is about World War Two. World War Two. Yeah.
5: Yeah. 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 Interesting. Is he a massive Beatles fan? He must be, right? He must be, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, he must
2: be. I I, I definitely feel like his slowdown is a result of burnout. Like looking at how The Lord of the Rings was planned out really meticulously and he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He wrote the story from beginning to end. Scripting, storyboarding was all done. The Hobbit was nowhere near as planned. Well, he was
3: forced to direct that actually because he was initially just a producer and then Gamer Del Toro was meant to direct it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. He, he that would did, have been weird.
2: Yeah. He, he did want to do it. I feel like he didn't have the same planning as he did for Lord of the Rings. So he wasn't in, anticipating that he was going to do it. So you, if anyone's watched Desolation of Smaug, if it feels, or Battle of Five Armies for that matter, if it feels a bit disconnected and a bit like, oh, what's going on, it, that's exactly what Peter Jackson felt during the making of the film. He was just like lost at some point saying, I don't know how to connect these storylines or how to make this, the Battle of Five Armies is like a couple of pages in the Hobbit. It's it's it makes it's no like, sense that, that actually, the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, Bilbo's actually knocked unconscious, and by the time he wakes up, the battle's done, over. Yeah, that's what happens because because Tolkien couldn't write epic war scenes at that time in the Hobbit. Yeah, so he just wrote, oh, he's, here comes the Elvish army, here comes the Dorvish army, here's a thing. He slips, knocks his head, wakes up, and shit's happened. It's it's funny how that relates back to yeah uh, his his burnout, which is unfortunate because he's a wonderful director. Yeah, I'd love to see him. Like my, my pipe dream to this day is the Silmarillion somehow represented on TV or or movie done by Peter Jackson in part or in full. Yeah. Which would be amazing.
3: Apparently, they tried to consult him for this Amazon show, but he kind of refused to get involved.
2: No, it was the other way around. Oh, he wanted to. So initially, the, the Amazon guys who were doing it, expressed interest in reaching out. They did reach out, and Peter Jackson actually said, I'm happy to talk to you or consult whenever you guys oh, want they to. They didn't call him back, though. They never called him back. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. yeah. They never called him back, which is like, okay, it's fair enough. I, I would have. It's kind of left the fans a bit salty as a result. Like saying it is here's someone who's done an established body of work. You don't even want to hear what he's done. On the other hand, I kind of respect the guys, uh, people, whoever's behind Wings of Power, all the creative team, the directors. They want their own representation they want to have their own mark in the sand which after watching all the episodes i'm like you know what good on them for doing their own and it's thing. not connected to his
3: movies it's it's own no, no own not connected thing, to his movies so, but
2: yeah. i it's, i think
5: well, yeah. i think that is yet to be it's very it's very hard to know they say that yeah they don't have they don't have the rights to material in the movies
2: ah uh, yeah but, there are some but references.
5: they are they are referencing they're straight up saying the name Sauron, they're saying all these terms yeah. and so now I don't think anyone actually knows what the how much they're allowed to reference or whether they're actually just trying to keep it as separate as possible but even they may be allowed some sort of reference, I don't know what's going on I there, mean,
2: there is, I, I think the team behind the Rings of Power series which we're like foreshadowing all kinds of stuff that we're going to be talking about, yes, in the future, yeah. there's a lot of,
5: we're halfway like, through by the way We're currently we're, at, so season 4 uh, sorry, episode, episode four, 4 has it. just been released yeah. Yeah.
2: there. there's Appearances of swords in scenes in Numenor that look a lot like a uh, um, Narsil, so like they're obviously referencing Peter Jackson's work visually to some extent. But how much of that goes into?
5: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Narsil was in that last
2: episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's Just yeah. So, so it's in the yeah. of Alan there's links. Deals. Yeah, there's links. Yeah. It, it would have been nice if they just called him and said, you know what, we'll, we'll 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 do it on our own. So thanks for the offer, Peter Jackson. We're not gonna. Yeah. But it doesn't take much. Professional courtesy is under is underrated.
5: Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who actually knows what's happened? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Could
2: have been Peter Jackson. She have
5: been like, fuck you guys. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> could be. All
3: right. Well, let's jump into our thoughts on the Two Towers movie. Uh, we'll do positives and negatives, and then we'll jump into spoilers. Yeah. So um, we can start with your positives, Baska.
2: I just wanted to say that this movie has one of the most powerful openings of any film I've ever watched. One of the most powerful. Uh, so watch this film, man. If you just want to- like, Opening? Wait. The mine. opening film. The opening of this film. Yeah, yeah. What is the opening of this film? Gandalf. Well, it's it's like it, the the screen opens up pans of like uh, the mu- oh, the mountains of Moria. Yeah. And then it goes into it goes straight the back flashback. into the oh, flashback. Yeah, yeah. but uh it, it's it's also a really, really good it's a good story. It's a good story. Like the fellowship's been fractured into three. It's how do you follow the narratives of three separate groups? It's a really high challenge, but it, yeah. it, this film does a really beautiful job. And it has a really good climactic finish. Which is uh very different to me, like to fellowship in the way that it that it starred itself as well. So uh, wonderful acting, a great uh, ensemble of characters, actors. Really, really good ensemble of actors. And for like fans of the lore and like the general expanse of Middle Earth, this movie shows no no fewer than eight separate cultures of Middle-earth. And I'll list them out in the in the spoiler talk. But there's like eight separate Civilizations that you see in this movie, Mm. like species, it's really cool. What are your thoughts?
5: I know this is your favorite. Yeah, I think this is my favorite movie. I don't. Yeah, I think it's just so underrated. I feel like everyone thinks about the Fellowship. Everyone thinks about Return of the King. I think the meat of this, at least in the movies, the meat of it is all in this in this movie. I think. Yeah. Things like some awesome things happen at the end of the Fellowship, i.e. the splitting of the Fellowship, and then. It's like deep concepts into who Boromir is and kind of the race of man as opposed to the Numenorians and where they stand. And then this movie actually goes into into where these characters come from. There's a bit more background into all this stuff. I mean, at least in the extended edition there is. I, mean, I think they might have cut quite a bit out mm-hmm. in the normal. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. The, you start, there's a new species introduced. There's like worldly concepts. There's some of the greatest quotes in this movie from it's merry, I'm pretty sure. It has like one of my favourite quotes that I go into in the spoiler talk. But, um yeah, I just feel like a lot of the intentions, a lot of redemption, a lot of core concepts of the what this trilogy is and what this overall Lord of the Rings is happens in this movie. And I think that people, well, at least I did. I, I kept thinking that Return of the King is when everything happened and Fellowship was really boring. But then when I rewatched it, after a long time, after I went to um, what's that place called? Hobbiton.
1: Yeah, Hobbiton. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh,
5: sorry, in New Zealand. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then I rewatched it on. After I went to Hobbiton, I rewatched it and I was like, "Oh my god! How like Two Towers is 100 yeah, my favorite." So yeah, yeah. Nice.
3: No, I really nice, nice. I agree with everything that's been said as well. One thing that hasn't been mentioned is the motion capture technology that they use for Gollum. Yeah. In this, which
5: is was it better than.
3: Well, no, well, oh, is you he don't in the really. First s- one? No, you don't uh, really see yeah. Gollum in
2: the first one. So his eyes yeah. in Kazadum. Yeah, all, all depictions of Gollum in Fellowship were all CGI. Yeah, all computer generated. Nothing was uh, mocap. So Andy Serkis was
3: was one of his first. I think maybe his first mocap role might might be in that because they didn't really do mocap before that. So yeah, he, um. he
2: was a voice actor before he started acting. Yeah, and this was meant to be a voice acting gig. That's right. It wasn't until they got into the oh, how do we depict this goat dude. They started using him in the scenes as a stand-in. Yeah, and then he act- he actually fought for his own case, saying, I, "I would prefer it if the actors looked at me and interacted with me during the scenes." And then, yeah, it was an evolutionary process. He eventually became the mocap actor. Yeah, apparently they
3: they asked him to come to London to do the mo- the voice acting. Yep. and while he was doing the voice acting, he like acted like Gollum. Yep. and then Peter Jackson saw that and he's like, "We need to get him on the sets." And then once they got him on the sets, they're like. Well, he's basically doing the role. It's yeah. just
5: he doesn't look like Gollum, but he's doing. They're it. full savage. Have you seen yeah. those scenes where they <laughs> they put it, like it's freezing outside and they're making wear like this skin tight this jumpsuit yeah, yeah. So, and he's literally he's freezing and they, yeah. and he's like crawling through rocks in a stream
2: and yes, like this is the scene where he's, he's trying, trying like, to chase the fish. Yeah, right? trying to face yeah, yeah, yeah. it,
5: and he's not even like oh just crawling. Man, he's he's like jumping and belly flopping onto jagged rocks. Yep. Yeah. In, on South Island.
2: It's like, dude, he, he has a death wish. It's and, mental. And in, in South Island, that river actually has, it fall, goes off on a waterfall just 10 metres down. Like, well, you know how he's going down river. Yeah, yeah. There's a waterfall drop. So if you see them making up oh, yeah. scenes, he actually stops and he puts himself on a rock and Peter Jackson's like, all right, Andy, be careful, there's a ledge. Yeah, people are, freak- yeah, people but, are freaking out. But <laughs> he his performance was captured in that and they used the exact motions he did to make like Smeagol do the exact same leg flop so the splashes come out right. It's, it's really cool how he was brought on for something and he ended up becoming Gollum.
3: Yeah, and like becoming fully. like the motion capture guy because then after that he did Planet of the Apes oh, and, yes. yeah, and yeah, other yeah. stuff. So All
2: yeah. kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah. And he came back for The Hobbit as well. Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah.
3: yeah. Um, so that, that was really standout. And all the sequences with Gollum, for me, I'm kind of jumping into negatives or mixed a little bit. I thought the Frodo and Sam elements of this movie not that much happens in their storyline. from
5: worst part of the whole trilogy, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, between their between <laughs> them two, oh, there's yeah. a bit of friction. Yeah,
3: apart from the if Gollum wasn't part of those proceedings, I think it would have been a bit boring. Because Gollum was in them, they became one of the more interesting parts in the in the whole movie. Uh, yeah, I can talk about absolutely. what my most. I, I think the Aragorn parts are probably the most interesting parts for me. The least interesting parts, which is kind of my negatives, and this becomes more, I guess, a bit more exaggerated in the extended editions, are the the ant section. Yep, yep. <laughs> it does slow down the pace of the movie, especially in the extended editions, and not just because they talk slow, because that's that makes. But I think
5: that's like. I think that's. Intentional, intentional. Yeah, it's intentional. It's supposed to yeah. be frustratingly slow. Yeah, it's like while wow, there's so much going on, the ants are just these yeah. creatures that just <laughs> this, could not give slow. a flying fandango. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. It's like there's a reason why they cut most of the scenes from that that part of the yeah the, the 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 narrative from the theatrical edition. Yeah, that's right.
3: So whereas with the fellowship, I thought the extended edition makes sense. I would probably keep everything in the extended edition in this. I can understand why they cut out some of those scenes because it was kind of, yeah, affecting the flow of yeah, the of the yeah. film. That was kind of my only negative. I think it's a slower film than the the other two, um, and that's why I still put can it, it slower. I still slower? put it third because it's slow in terms of the action. There's only one real big action sequence, which is one of the best action sequences in the whole trilogy: the Helm Steep yeah. sequence. The rest of the film is a little bit slow. It's much more about character, character building moments, and I do, which are still really good. But for me, I really enjoy. We start watch Return of the King again, but I think it used to be Return of the King first. I still put Fellowship above this slightly, and then and then this. But obviously, they're all amazing. Yeah, you busted. That,
2: that's very interesting because I thought when they splintered the group into three, the pacing instantly became much more effective because instead of one group going on this long journey and you have to have these slow moments of like, okay, Council of Elrond or Minds of Moria where they're sitting down and discussing where they are. Yeah. But in this one, the moment one storyline gets a little bit too slow or they have a bit they of like switch, an argument, yeah. they go immediately back to like, okay, Gandalf. What happened to Gandalf? Like Frodo and Sam are still reeling from yeah. his, de- his death. And then it goes straight back into like, okay, Aragorn. And Gimli and Legolas. Like, the beginning of that film is really chop, chop, chop. Like, they're chasing Merry and Pippin. Yeah. And then uh, you know, the I think
3: so, for of- me, ma- mainly because I found those the Frodo storyline and the Ant storyline just not as interesting. Every time they switch back to this, yeah. I was like, I'd rather spend a bit more time with Aragorn and what, yeah. what he's up to, or yeah, yeah. even Gandalf because he kind of appears in the middle of this movie as well, so...
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I said Gandalf before, and I was just immediately pivoted to like, oh, he's death and how is that spoiling the fact that he returns <laughs> in this film?
3: But uh, uh, that's- they, they actually spoiled Gandalf in the trailer. In the trailer, yeah, yeah, which is stupid. Yeah, why would you do that? Why would you not leave yeah. his death ambiguous? I think everyone knew that he was going to come back in some form. Yeah, a lot of
5: yeah. a lot of these movies like somehow stuff up trailers. I don't get it.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's the production studios who are like, oh, we we need the meat of the like the best scene you have to go into like this 10 second trailer ends up being a spoiler. Yeah. Which I don't understand their theory. I don't understand their psyche behind it. But uh, And one other, this is not a negative. It could be that the visuals I felt for Two Towers, uh, like we have, obviously we we're watching this film through rose tinted glasses. We we're reliving our childhoods, right? But when I was watching the CGI for a lot of like mocap stuff for Gollum, uh, yeah. a lot of the uh, CGI for like the units of like army units and that kind of stuff, some of it ages well. Some of it doesn't age nearly as well because the graphics was still, at that point, the whole mocap stuff for Golem was still pioneering. Very They're, new, yeah. They were pioneering the whole industry at that point. Yeah. They were doing something that was going to set the standards for the future mocap industry. There's some scenes that don't look as well as they could have, uh, which which is obviously, it's very difficult to make something like Golem. They had to rotoscope out anti Serkis manually every frame, replace it with CGI. And we're going to
3: so. watch a... A clip with with Andy Serkis yep. where they had to do that. So where he had to film it separately. Yep. Frodo and Sam were in this scene as well, and they had to film that separately. Right, right. And then the cameraman had to remember the movements that he did with Andy Serkis when oh, he was wow. acting it out, and yeah. then when they did the, the combine the two scenes, he had to remember exactly what, all, like all the movements were, and put it all together. Yep. So we'll watch that's it's actually the last scene in the movie. Oh, the,
2: the last crawl. In the yeah, 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 it's the last
3: scene of the movie, which we'll watch in spoilers. But I, I see what you mean. Because when I was watching Gollum this time, I'm like, you can tell he's not actually there. Yep. Uh, yep. Well, like,
2: yeah. Well, to be honest, there are some scenes where there's a close-ups of Gollum's face. It looks amazingly photorealistic. Like the part where in the marshes and Frodo's asking, like, your name was Smeagol, right? Yeah. Like that scene was done amazingly well. And the CGI team, props to them. I don't know how they did it. There are some other scenes during daylight where you see – Smeagol running through or, like, interacting with real-world objects, and it looks obviously CGI. So, yeah, sometimes it's not as good, sometimes it's better. I feel like, though, when they showed Smeagol in Return of the King, the graphics got even better. So it's progression. Some, people, some things are better, some things are just nice. watch
5: the Just watch the scene between Bilbo and Gollum in... In, uh, Hobbit, in desolation. Which desolation. One? Yeah. Oh, is it? Isn't no. I think it's the first no, one. No, it's the first, first one. First Yeah. First one. one. Yeah, first yeah. one. But it's flawless. And then you realize yeah. how far they've come. Yeah. yeah because yeah. the yeah. their ability to um, just show emotion and like make you feel so empathetic to Gollum. In there's a scene in the um, first book of the Hobbit where you're like, oh fuck, this Gollum character is sneaky motherfucker. And then um, and this is why Bilbo has a ring on. This is spoilers for the Hobbit. The Hobbit. By the prequel by the way. of what we're watching right but now. He puts <laughs> on the puts on the ring, and then. And for a moment, you're like, yes, finally, he's gotten over Gollum. And then he turns to Gollum and he suddenly goes from where the hell is the ring I'm frustrated to I'm now afraid. Sad, and, yeah. And the capture on that is unbelievable. And then you can see it on like the whole scene is about because, you know, they reference this in the first movie, which is if it wasn't for Bilbo's kindness or whatever. His yeah, he's yeah. pity. And like that scene, but just look at the motion capture on that and you're like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Yeah. So you can definitely see how technology is developed to such an extent. that yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, and in that in The Hobbit, you can actually see his skin. Like it's it's got like texture. It's, it's, got, just, it's got translucency. Yeah. So it's, yeah. as the
2: light is shining, it's got this like, oh, it's it's so sallow. You can see it kind of bouncing in and around inside yeah. before it comes out. Like yeah. So like they've, they've gone next level. They, they They did that for Two Towers as well so they actually replicated a real skin, but it took a lot of effort. They had to scrap the model multiple times, bring it back in. They eventually modeled it after Andy Serkis' face. That's when they found out it worked best to actually match Andy Serkis' performance. So before we jump into spoilers, any negatives, any other negatives? Let's see. Okay, yeah, there was one negative I had about... So this obviously, there's a lot of material in here that deviates from the source material. So in the final battle, for example, uh, halfway through, some things deviate from the books. I feel like... There were certain things that they left out of the books. They could have incorporated more of, like just like more conversation on the talk of uh, like Saruman's machinations, which they do show a lot of in here. But what's that? Saruman's machinations of like how how he wants to uh, like grow his own army. They show a lot of the industrialization of war. That's obviously- true,
5: actually. I think yeah, this movie. I mean, look, I haven't. Well, I read the books when I was eleven. I'm not even sure if I read them properly, <laughs> to be honest, because I can't remember anything. I think they definitely do. Not go into Saruman's character or his intentions. Well, in the much theatrical at
3: all. editions, they don't even show him dying. Technically,
5: yeah,
2: they yeah. Uh, skip over that. Yeah. yeah, in the
5: book, he doesn't die. No,
2: so. he just walks. He walks. He walks, he walks home. He well, walks all the way to the Shire.
5: Yeah, he walks to the Shire. So yeah, yeah. and well, I mean yeah, so it, it's a real weird story. Uh Yeah, you should you should see what the actual story is in the books. It's so whack. It's it's a. <laughs> <whack. laughs> Like honestly, depressing. Yeah, the whole story. It's one of the most depressing stories I've ever heard. Of.
2: But, but full respect. Like, I understand how difficult it was to fit stuff into this movie. So, I'm I'm not surprised they didn't go more into it. But for that to be negative, it's high praise. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: And Christopher Lee on that topic actually, Christopher Lee was not happy with Peter Jackson uh, that he left out a lot of the Saruman stuff, and then he left him out completely out of the next movie in the yeah. theatrical yeah. edition. So, like, apparently he called him up to like show him Return of the King. And he sat down to watch it, and he wasn't in the movie. And he's like, "Wait,
2: where are my scenes in the movie?" <laughs> oh, must be funny to see that. But oh, he yeah, managed to sure. get him back for the episode. Yeah, yeah, and and the Hobbit, which yeah. is which is really good because that yeah. was the last major thing he did. But even in the Hobbit,
5: they don't do the things that they explore in the Hobbit when Saruman's there. Is also not according to the books properly, and it's actually I think it's not even part of the Hobbit. Is or part maybe part of the Silmarillion. It's, you know, it's in the appendices for
2: Lord of the Rings. Whatever it is, so yeah. It's like a small note saying the White Council flies to Yeah, Yeah. And uh, so it's, like,
5: it's not in the way it's portrayed. So even even in the Hobbit, they kind of
2: well, it's it's stretching it out. It's not even yeah, portrayed. That's the thing. Yeah, it's really yeah, yeah. pushing.
5: So we'll jump into spoilers now. Yeah, so let's get into it. If you haven't
3: seen Two Towers, it's twenty years old. We highly recommend it. Never uh, watch it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> watch it and then watch it again.
5: Yeah. You could argue that if you watch Lord of the Rings, you're ruining <laughs> your experience of every other movie because it's it's like this trilogy is too good. Yeah. So maybe don't watch it, you know. Protect yourself.
3: Uh, Watch, yeah, watch The Hobbit. Then watch, well, watch Rings of Power. Then watch Hobbit. Then watch Lord of the Rings. Yeah. To build (laughs) yourself up in the (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's chronological order, technically. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah, Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. All right. We'll jump into spoilers. So go watch it. Come back to this point. Listen to our spoilers. You actually alluded to the scene we talked about in the in the fellowship episode where we talk about Bilbo's uh, pity and how it Yeah. Uh, so this time I picked a a scene which is the last scene in Two Towers with Gollum and Right this- after the bit
5: the so called betrayal. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah.
3: So let's see Antisex's work in,
5: in I think everyone's worried at this point, right? Kind of going so like everyone's worried. They're like we've just gotten rid of we had Spiegel only, got rid of Gollum. And now got and now there's been this betrayal that's happened. Fuck, what's gonna happen? Like that, I think that's the fear in everyone's mind is that yeah. what has happened? And you're kind of actually really you feel sorry for um for Well, yeah, it yeah. ends on a very
3: ominous note, which will which we'll see. But the last dialogue in the movies from from Gollum,
0: Master,
1: Master looks after us.
0: Master wouldn't hurt us Master broke his promise Don't ask Smeagol Purpose me Mm -hmm. Master betrayed us Wicked, tricksy, false We ought to wring his filthy little neck Kill him, kill him Kill them both
1: And we'll be the master!
0: <laughs> but the fact of it, he knows. he oh, he's always watching. Then we stabs them out.
1: Put out his eyes and make him crawl. Yes, yes, yes! Kill them, both. Yes! No, no!
0: To risky is to risky! Where's he he going? Alright, Gollum! Where are you? Smigo? We could let her do it. She could do it. Yes, precious, she could. And then we take it once they're
1: dead what's that come on hobbits long rolls to go yet smoother the way follow me
3: it ends with follow me very yes yeah.
2: that like a very ominous ending especially when when like the fact that you know, it, it, it's, it's Smeagol is slowly waning out. Gollum's coming back. More dangerous part is Gollum's convincing Smeagol, oh, we can actually kill them. And it's the first
3: time in the movie because Smeagol kind of disagrees with Gollum throughout the movie and kind of pushes them away at one stage. Yeah, completely. Yeah. In this scene, you see him coming back, and he seen, you see him agreeing again. Yeah. And then he ends with, "We'll give it, give them, or give them to yeah. her." Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll let we'll let, let, her, we'll let her. Yeah.
2: And if people who don't are not familiar with the books, they don't they're know like, who is she. Yeah, who's this? Yeah, but it's like this is what I was alluding to. The books actually have it ends with you know Shelob. so oh, okay, two towers. It's a two towers actually has yeah, She in in the in the two towers. Ah. So people watching this would have been like, oh crap, they didn't show her, but they're alluding to it. Yes, which is really crazy because uh, yeah, Shiloh is one of those characters where it's like, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good for Salmon Potter. Yeah, because
5: Lob's like an ancient. It's like this entity that's been there for a long time.
2: before. It's like before- Daughter of Ungoliant. So we're talking about the di- direct offspring off of one of these mythical creatures that, you know, is is, uh, is in the Somerillion.
5: Yeah, and that's why they call it Kirith Ungol. Isn't that a- Ah,
2: Ungol. Yeah, yeah, Ungoliant. Because that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's
5: the the path that goes past her, right? Yeah
3: yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Ungol is a species, I think, is the actual name of it. Yeah, the- yeah,
3: yeah. On that scene that we just watched, so it's a two-minute scene, continuous shot, so, it's all continuously. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's no cuts. Uh, and yeah. due to the complexity of the two minute shot, it was the last one that they finished for this movie. It involved Andy Circus acting out the full scene, after which the camera operator had to reshoot its background without Circus, memorizing the camera movements he had previously made. Circus later had to reenact the scene on a green screen set in the studio. They recorded his performance, incorporated it into the Golem animation, which, of course, had to be seamlessly blended into the background. So, a lot of work had to go just for yeah, that wow. one yeah, shot. Yeah.
2: And and that's not even the most complex shots. The yeah. most complex ones is when like when Gollum is fighting or holding on to like Sam or Frodo, then they have to actually like take out Andy Serkis put in CGI, but the complexity of that shot yeah. is lost on a lot of viewers. It's a yeah, really good shot. And I think because it's an it's
3: an animated character, I think people miss the fact that Andy Serkis is actually acting this out.
2: He he, yeah. he is. There, there is also a dedicated team of animators who do a lot of the facial movements. So they didn't use the, you know, the facial beads? Mm. They didn't have that in this. Yeah. They'd literally have a little camera, like a TV, showing Andy Serkis' face. And if he grimaced, the animators would Try manually move the muscles down. Yeah. Whereas they've actually made that process a bit more automated in the more recent stuff. because so they actually have facial beads and like the reference points that the computer looks at and will change the face. But that was all manually done. So all the facial expressions that you see in Two Towers are actually manually animated. And they're done by a really dedicated team of, like, animators. They followed Andy Serkis' performance, though. Yes. So, that's, yeah. that's having him there was, like, a world of difference.
3: Yeah, and that's why I think talk of Oscars for motion capture acting came up when he did uh, Planet of the Apes, because he's the main character in Planet right, of the Apes. Right, Obviously Obviously, he wasn't even nominated, but people, like, he's giving a really good performance. Yeah. If he wasn't an animated character and he just did that as himself, yep. he probably would be nominated.
5: But well,
2: was the category of motion capture even there during no. during two thousand two? I didn't think so. I, yeah. I would I would say it opened up due to these films.
5: Yeah, yeah. So you're telling me you would have won even more Oscars than you would have won. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: If it was a category, he would have definitely got it. Like, well, can you pass me my Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> your elven, your orc drink, orc, <laughs> orc draft. You know what the orcs pour down Mary's throat in the in the beginning? Yeah, yeah. What is that? It's, it's apparently uh, it's apparently uh, Soda Stream Pepsi concentrate.
5: Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even kidding.
2: There's, there's a scene where uh, I didn't know Tolkien knew about that. Tolkien, yeah he he, he, knew, <laughs> he knew he knew about Pepsi concentrate and Soda Stream. <laughs> off draft. Oh um, uh, yeah, let's go back to the beginning of the film.
3: So I think the way we'll split up this section is we'll talk about each of the. I've got four categories here, but then Gandalf kind of comes into one of them. Okay. Uh, so split up Sam stories. and Frodo, yeah. uh, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, yeah. uh, Gandalf. Parallel storyline with a couple of other storylines. And then uh, Pippin and Merry yep. is their one. Yep. So we can start with, since we just watched this, Sam and Frodo. Yeah. Like I said, that not that much actually happens in their storyline in this movie. Uh, it's more around Gollum. Firstly, they had Gollum on their side under Smeagol. You know when Frodo betrays Gollum? Yeah. Uh, that wasn't his intention, right? But in the movie, it feels like he's kind of like intentionally, you know, he's like, come, come, follow me. When, when he's in that pond, yeah, yeah. yeah. When
2: he's in that, uh, where the Rangers of Athelian and Faramir got their little forest, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, he's doing it to save his life. Yeah. That's what Smeagol doesn't know. He doesn't know there's like, his arrows pointed at him, about to kill him. So Frodo's being obviously a little bit more manipulative and nice, like like oh, he comes, Sméagol. good, Smeagol. That's yeah. It. Like he's coaxing him like a like a like a dog with a toy, which is exactly what Sadi Circus is trying to show. He's got a fish in his mouth. It looks really, especially when Smeagol knows what's up when he gets caught. And he's like, telling "Master, please protect me." And then that's when you see Frodo coming out and say, "No, don't, don't struggle. Yeah, it. It's okay. Just yeah. listen to me." And he feels guilty already. Yeah, I yeah. think he feels guilty from the get go of saying, "I, I, I kind of uh, convinced him to come out so he can be captured by these guys, but they would have killed you." So I think it, it's it's the it's the hero's dilemma. It's like he's trying to do it to save his life,
3: but that's basically what breaks him in the end. Even though Sam also tells him afterwards that he didn't mean to do that. Just before they leave uh, Osgiliath. Yeah, yeah, he does yeah, actually say he, he didn't mean it to. He does say,
2: yeah, he didn't mean to. Um, but, but you can tell at yeah. that point even he's like Smeagol's like, yeah. he already doesn't trust Sam. Yeah. And I think the last thread was Frodo. He might have this kind of relationship, but it's kind of gone after that point. Yes. I don't think it's a fault of Frodo. I just think it's the tragedy of Smeagol. Yes. I think he, it's also a tragedy about
5: how the kingdom of men deal with, as in like if they're all just threatening Smeagol, Right, they don't know what this creature is, but they're like, "We're just going to kill this. We're going to kill this thing," right? There's no. It was in a pond, just singing its song, just like happily doing nothing to interfere, right? And they were like, "I'm going to kill this being unless you. At least we want to capture this being." I think it kind of also talks about the evil of man, right?
2: True. It it shows like they consider this a gangle creature, an ugly creature, but I think exactly the way they treat it shows the darkness in their hearts. Yeah, exactly. No empathy
5: whatsoever, and they essentially it's like you're creating this monster. They essentially – because, like, there are definitely other ways to approach the situation, and that just did not even cross their mind. They're just like, what is this disgusting thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, the song that he
3: sings in the in the pond is is pretty good. Oh, yeah, the rock and fall.
2: Yeah, yeah, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> the rock and fall. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, that's good. You should do the whole thing. <laughs> no, no. Scare off every podcast. The so juicy sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, and that little scene was done. Wait, can you uh, can you
5: sing it and make that the intro to this podcast? Get rid of that music.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to catch a fish. So juicy <laughs> <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> uh, Making the intro. So good. Do not cut that into a TikTok reel. <laughs> that would be so <laughs> good. That would be, be hilarious. Oh, man. But that was also motion captured. that little scene where that was fully done in the back. I, or I watched it behind the scenes. He does the whole thing. Even the little, like, fish slipping out. Yeah. Like, he plays the whole thing. That scene is,
5: that scene is like, crazy, right? Because it's, like, that scene is made. It, it's, like, very beautifully made, right? Because in the moonlight, mm-hmm. it's in this, like, area. This area looks ama- like yeah, it's yeah. kind of magical, right? Yep. yep. But everything about it is sinister. It's, like, Faramir
2: and his men. It looks like that painting, actually, in the back. Yeah. Not even kidding. Yeah, it looks yeah, like yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, And it's, like... a so There's a painting in our room where it's, like, a nice little... Uh, landscape of like the full moon setting across some mountains at night time. It's exactly what the this scene is depicting. In it's by Phillips.
3: I'll put the picture up on Instagram. So yeah, yeah it's is what pretty cool. And it's a waterfall yeah. there as well. Yeah. yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> well, it's like such a it's such a contrast to the scenery. Is such a contrast to actually the truth of the situation, right? Like it's such an innocent thing that's happening. This this um being is just chilling out, singing that song that Basker just covered. <laughs> like there's nothing actually nothing. Terrible going on, but then you realize that if Frodo wasn't going to save the life of this being, like these guys were just going to cold-bloodedly just murder it.
2: I I think they weren't going to actually kill it. They were trying to, yeah. But then when Gollum gets
5: when when they like they beat the shit out of Gollum. It's not like oh, we're just doing this so we can threaten. They beat the shit out of Smeagol.
2: There's a like they're savage. But but why? So I think the reason why is Faramir is looking for the answer. Why is this creature leading these hobbits on a journey? This is not right. Where are they going? And it's it's like it, it leads into the whole thing about their weakness to the ring. Yeah. And when he finds out that they're carrying something that is like an, uh, the, the One Ring, which is what his brother was sent to do, it gets dark because that's exactly what he wants to fulfill the, the dream of his father. So then you get to know Faramir as a character, as a captain and his weakness. That The whole thing plays into it.
5: Yeah. So it's like, Only in the extended edition do you really yes. get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you really But
2: understand? you see it in theatrical as well, but you don't realize the full weight of it until unless you watch the Because extended you don't edition. um in the extended edition
5: shows the victory yes at, um with Boromir and Azoglioth. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior yeah. to the meeting of the council of Elrond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is an amazing I don't know. They, this is the one scene they shouldn't have cut out of the theatrical edition where Sean Bean comes back. It's the yeah. last flashback between brothers and it's a beautiful movie. And you they don't actually out, see it.
3: their father till Return of the King in the theatricals, right? Oh, yeah. You yeah.
2: don't see Dauthor at all. Yeah. Oh really? No. Nah. Yeah. So in this one, they actually show Denethor in the flashback where Faramir is saying, like, is celebrating with Boromir. It's a wonderful celebration. They won. They won a, a small, you know, battle in Osgiliath, and it's it's a beautiful moment for Boromir as well, showing his true motivations. Like his father essentially just says, "There's a there's a meeting. We should be the ones because it's our blood being spilt. We need to get that ring back to Gondor. So go bring me back this mighty gift." And Boromir's like i don't want to go and ferramir is like oh if he doesn't want to go send me in instead and was like oh yeah you'd you'd like that wouldn't you Faramir, captain of gondor wants to show his true quality no my firstborn's going you shut up And it's just like he goes and he dies and it's like it, it brings this beauty this line back to the, uh, a really tragic exchange where Faramir goes back to denethor he may tirith and then he's uh, he finally asks him what you prefer it was i who went and I was one who died, and he was the one who lived. He yes. just says yes, and he said, "Yeah, A I wish that piece of shit." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's so brutal, man.
5: It's so bad. And um, even
3: in this, when because obviously he knows that Boromir has died, but Frodo doesn't yet. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. It's connecting. So back this to is friends. the first
5: time that do they know that he saved them? They do, right? Frodo and Sam.
2: Yeah. No, because they, they they leave before the Battle of Ammon Hand finishes. But they, so they don't actually know what happens to Merry and Pippin. They don't know what happens to Boromir. Oh, he saves Merry and Pippin, doesn't he? Boromir saves Merry and Pippin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Pippin, Merry and Pippin both know. Yeah, it's, it's actually Pippin who knows when he when he's confronted with that. He comes out and tells them Oh, he saved. He died saving us. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The Return of the King. That's Return of the King. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he pledges yeah. his
5: service. to that. Yeah, <laughs> and, <they came laughs> and I was like, God damn it! <laughs> yeah. I told this he's... guy to shut up. <laughs> that,
2: that's it's a wonderful dynamic, but yeah. Uh, yeah so the, the Two Towers sets up so many different like arcs. Faramir's arc like, is arguably one of the best ones, and uh, it's it's that moment is is really interesting yeah, when they're in the cave and he's just reminiscing about Boromir.
5: Also, that point when they're about to get captured, that's the first time you realize, or at least in the movie, that Sauron has is accumulating men as part of his force. Because all this time you're talking about there's orcs being mobilized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't realize there's. People on oliphants, and they're actually men. There's yeah. men that are joining him. That's like, that's. I think that's the first time you see them.
2: So even even before that scene when, uh, so you're talking about the scene where they're in the forest and they see these the the Haradrim walking through the forest with like big olifants and the yeah. archers. Oh, right, Haradrim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even before then, before they come through the forest of Athelion they come to you know how Smeagol leads them to the Black Gate. Yes. Right up to the front of the Black Gate and they're about to go through it, and then there's these men of but the it east. Doesn't that happen after? after. Not no, before. before, yeah. Was it's this, before. Actually, oh, okay. Smeagol actually yeah. leads them right to the front of the Black Gate. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, the Black Gate, we, we finally reached it, and then they don't know how to get in. And then this like army of like Easterlings or men of Rune. Men. Yeah. Rune means East, so translators note, <laughs> men of East. They they basically come marching in, which is an awesome scene where they come in, they have their own like march and like their horns and they open the gate up and was losing it because he's like getting PTSD from all his who knows what he's experienced, right? Yeah. Uh, in his travels. That gate opens up. They want to go, but then Smeagol pulls them back in the last minute. It's like, yeah, it's like don't go because like, they'll catch you, and you're going through the front. You're not going to make it. it they, he has to convince the and Frodo saying there's another way. We have to go around the south side and and go through the the border. There's a stairs and a tunnel and whatnot. And that's and so when only they, then they, they, they go up through the No, No, south. So north. They came oh, they from. Taken, yeah. So they, they came from the north from Iman Muil. They passed the front of the, the the black gate. That's right. And they oh, eventually Frodo agrees. Okay, he's led us this far. Let's let's, let's follow him yeah, further. Yeah. Then they go to the Etilian. Right. So when he gets captured by Faramir, they're kind of going down to the south, which is where like the Rangers were monitoring. So it's yeah, yeah the geology is really interesting. The the, the maps. And the
5: so I go on this website called Lord of the Ring Maps, and then it will just highlight. You can tick whatever box you want, but it just shows you the path of every character. And so that's how things things make more sense. I remember when I was watching this, and even. When I was watching all these videos on YouTube just about things in general and rings and, you know, rings of power, just having that map in front of you makes things just make sense. Yep, yep. You understand the bearing there, everything. Also, I find it really interesting that in this, a lot of people talk about in maybe other writings, the East is like this unknown, more hopeful land. But in this, it's straight up the East is evil.
2: Well, not <laughs> necessarily evil. The East well, is filled with people, some of which are loyal to Sauron. Yeah. So the, the, these these obviously these Easterlings or these these Ru- yeah. Ru- men, and in in the making of they were trying to say they were, they were trying to depict men who were very wealthy and rich, who received a lot of like they they could deck out their armor in full like you know embellished armor, but they had a slightly uh, Saracen culture that they could actually develop separate from Gondor and separate from like you know the, the West. Yeah. So they had their own culture, and you could see that in their design. They looked very Saracen like, like almost Middle East. But they were very careful. They didn't want the design team to replicate any existing culture of yeah. you know, humanity because yeah. w- they didn't want to represent any modern peoples. It, it was really effective, though. It looks scary as hell, yeah. but they also look extremely unique. It, that's what I was talking about the multiple expansions of cultures. Yeah. This is one culture. The Haradrim is a complete separate culture. They come from the south. And then you have uh, you know all, all these factions of like Mordor orcs, Mordor Urukai, separate from no. the Isengard Urukai. Uh, there's like four separate factions in Mordor alone right now, so it's like they're amassing all kinds of forces. And that, that Two Towers does a great job in building that tension up of like Mordor's building up their armies. It's not just orcs; it's it's men, it's like Easterlings, it's Southrons, it's Haradrim, it's like crazy amounts of people.
3: And in that scene in front of the Black Gate, that's when they disguise themselves as a rock. Yeah, yeah. The Is their, their cape? Yeah, and,
5: and, the cape was gi- it was given to them by uh
2: by the the elves. elves? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Rivendell elves. I can't remember who actually gives them probably the Rivendell. All right, I think Rivendell. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think they I got it in Rivendell. And these, these are meant cool. to disguise you wherever you are, like nature wise. So if you're in forest, this is the
5: first time you properly see it. Yeah, yeah, it was as, good. It was a cool depiction. Also, like the whole Men of the East. There's a really good YouTube channel that talks about this lore, and it's called Men of the West. Oh wow! As a reference to like you know Aragorn's last call before the at the Black Gate when yeah. he's like launching the full this post Mouth of Sauron.
2: Oh yeah. Beheading
5: yeah. in extended edition. And he's like and then he gathers in and he's like, Men of the West and I'm like, Oh yeah, okay. Now I finally understand what this why this YouTube channel is called Men of the West. I like never understood, but I'm like, ah oh, you thought it was Men so of the like- West yeah, yeah. are the good ones and the men of the East are like the corruptible semi joined That's
2: the way they've they put the factions in yeah yeah, yeah which is kind of <laughs> it's kind of controversial, but Yeah.
5: Well, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, the- was
2: well, maybe like the Numenorian and the Faithful versus like the yep, people who exactly. the Kings went against. Men, went sided yeah. with Morgoth, and now it's Yeah. So yeah, you, you, make, you see that in rings of power now as well. So so yeah, Sam and Frodo's arc is a very interesting one, and it, and the ending of it, where they end up in Elrond again, is quite cathartic but tragic as well, because you see the toll it takes on Frodo. The the journey. This is what essentially were Frodo's journey in Two Towers is. You see the toll. That it takes on him, and it's quite devastating. And you don't yet
3: see. I mean, there starts to be a bit of a divide between Sam and Frodo in this, but not. You see it much more in Return of the King when they actually do split up completely. Anything else on Sam and Frodo? So they're kind of on that journey. Uh, there is a part where they go through some, is it like swamp lands? the dead marshes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that part
2: was interesting. Visually, it was very visually very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Very. Uh, That's where the first- ominous.
5: That's where the war takes place, right?
2: The, the old war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the battle at the Dagolad Plains. Yeah. It's essentially the old battle battlefield. Of the actual. Of the first alliance. Of yeah. uh, last alliance of men and elves. So yeah. you see all the dead bodies there. Really ominous setting. Yeah, because it's, and I feel like in the books, this was inspired off of Tolkien's memory of like trench warfare. Oh, 100%. Oh, he's got to be, his memories. Because there's of, like, Dead seen, Man's did, Land
5: and yeah. all that stuff, yeah.
2: But he, there's experiences of him showing like how dead bodies would just rot in the mud and it would just they wouldn't decompose yeah. it would just be like there and I feel like his memories are seared into that 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 story it, it manifests in all kinds of ways so this is one of those more ominous very macabre yeah. settings yeah. it's really cool it's really cool to see their characters and then, the walk Nazgul,
5: them. and then the Nazgul come out and they like take refuge under like this lone tree yeah. or wherever or rock or whatever they're under Yeah, yeah. It's that's like yeah all these scenes where it's just like these planes of like death. And then there's just the Nazgul yeah. at the top and the fell beast just like riding. And you're just like, oh man. And Smig- and Smeagol's losing his mind. Yeah, he's, he's like, ah.
2: Rates. <laughs> rates on wheels. <rails. laughs>
5: yeah, I know. It's nuts. Next to like, rates on
2: wheels. And it's just like,
5: <laughs> and also you realize how much bloody Smeagol has seen. Yeah. Smeagol's seen say. everything. Oh, he's seen a lot of
2: shit. He's seen, seen some shit, man. Uh, yeah, it, that's
5: crazy. He's seen everything and somehow still made it out. Like, yeah.
2: Well, he survived. And like you you know, you see that in the beginning of Return of the King, like what he went through. It's not good, but he's seen some stuff, yeah. man. That's that's Sam and Frodo's journey in a nutshell. So Aragon led less
3: Gimli. So this is one that I find really interesting. Maybe because I find
5: yeah. I mean, oh, but yeah. I mean I think it's pretty un You can't debate the fact that this is the most interesting storyline. Yes, yes yeah. yeah, and, and it's I agree. also this is where all the
3: action's at. This is it and Aragon's arc, overall arc. I think in this one you you start feeling like maybe he thinks he can become king. Because yes. in the first one, he, he's I don't think he has that idea. I think in this one, after Helm's Deep, or even before that, I think he starts sensing that maybe
5: he can become the king. But um, I, I think, well, I'm not sure about the books, but at least in the movies, there's no, I don't think there's necessarily an intent to become king. It's we need to do something to fulfill this mission slash we need to deal with the problems that we're, Facing often that's that's often what I think Gandalf knows. Gandalf has a greater, he knows more about what's going on, right? But I think often with this trio, it's like, how do we deal with these problems? Mm. And it just happens to be one of the strategies that can be used is you can unite these kingdoms and you get the you know the people of Rohan and you unite these men that who are under the stewardship in Gondor and, and like therefore. Ultimately, yeah, if you lead them and then you already are the heir, then, yeah, you'll yeah. become king. But it's ne- it never was primarily about being king, which is a good part. Yeah, right? it wasn't it's about like becoming this- king. It's not yeah. about- so yeah. like, oh, we need we need some king or we need an old king of yeah. Gondor, whatever. It's it's about we're getting fucked by the orcs. Yeah. <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah. Everyone's being destroyed. Uh, let's solve this problem. And-, and more that men distrust each other and you have this person that can come and unite people. And- yeah. 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 Well, not people. just unite men, but his friendship with the elves as well. And yeah, they're yeah. now the dwarves as well. So
3: it's it's everyone. Yeah. It's,
2: it's like, that's not just the fact that this one guy has such good relationships with elves and dwarves and different like Kings is now being seen as a think, Oh shit, we might actually need this. Mm-hmm. Like this, you get the first sense of it in two towers. Like we might need this because we don't know how overpowered we are right now by the yeah. enemy. They, yeah. you, this is the first time you get the feel for the numbers against us. are so overwhelming. You can't just go in it like, oh, okay, this country defends their own lands. God, yeah. will defends their own borders. It'll be fine. No, it's like we need something else, and that's when you get the first hint. of to- there's
3: some great visual foreshadowing of this. So when he first rides into Rohan, yeah, when the flag, and the flag breaks and it lands in front of him, oh, on Edoras, yeah, yeah. Edoras, yeah. Yeah yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. He sees,
5: yeah, as yeah. he's riding up, he yeah. sees it fall, yeah, and then the music starts, the theme of. Rohan, you're like, oh, this is unbelievable. This <laughs> unbelievable theme. Yeah. yeah.
2: There's a lot of amazing foreshadowing sh- shots in this. Yeah. Even even uh, Gondor's theme, the first time we hear Gondor's theme is in Two Towers. It's in the flashback with, with Boromir. We were just talking about it. When Boromir is about to go and he looks up at the flag of Gondor, that is the first time you hear Howard Shore's theme of Gondor. And it's, you, you start to feel the culture of Gondor and the theme of it. Same thing with Rohan. You see the first, the first time you hear the theme of Rohan is when they're actually on the chase. They finally go up on the rock and they look over the horizons. Oh, land of Rohan, home of the horse lords. Yeah, yeah. It's this beautiful open wide scenery of Alexandria and South Island, New New Zealand. The the, the scenery in Two Towers is one of the best. The actual live landscapes and the rolling hills and the the wild plains. It's amazing what they did with the locations they found. And Edoras, like Rohan's capital, I think it has got to be the most magical movie setting in the world because most of what you see about Edoras is... Built, they actually built a township on that hill, on uh, it's called Mount Sunday in Canterbury, and like the the way they found it was an absolute magical like fluke. It was like the the helicopter tour guide was flying around, and he's a scout. He finds this little mountain, and it's surrounded by these like snow capped. It's it's technically a mountain surrounded by snow capped mountains. Also, the foreshadowing
5: scene as that happens, the start of that scene is when Eowyn is like so sick of everything, she kind of runs out of. The main, the main king's hut, Tau, whatever the yeah, fuck it is, yeah. and then yeah, the and she's hat. like lost all hope, and she's like in this like yeah, she's like always wearing white, and then she just sees the flag fly off, and then Aragon just comes up, and it's like oh, this is so good, <laughs> this is like yeah. unreal, yeah, because
2: they're they're rocking up to a, a country that's basically, at rock bottom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
5: I
3: think Gimli says something around like you see more cheer in a graveyard or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
2: It yeah. That. it's true because it's like the king is under this weird spell. Trance, he's just not, yeah. he's like he's, yeah. he's gone. The prince is dead. King's son is dead after being ambushed by orcs. The uh, Eomer has been banished because he, he 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 tried to tell Wormtongue who's the right hand of Theoden. And the yeah.
5: Rohirrim are pissed off as well with him. They
2: they, they, they went sh- with him. They yeah. just go around. Yeah which is an interesting scene, the, the fact yeah. that Wormtongue can so easily manipulate everyone. And he's he tries to even tell Eowyn, like, your hopelessness here is just going to keep festering. Mm. You know, Let me, I can give you what you want. I can give you security and that kind of... He tries to actually woo her, but she's like, you know, your words are poison. That's what right, she yeah. goes out. And uh, e- also, Eowyn, like, the character of Eowyn, by the way, I just got to say, like, Miranda Otto's depiction of Eowyn, amazing, amazing depiction. It's a very complex character to do. And she's one of my favourite characters in the whole series because of the fact that her arc is so incredible. Like the way she starts off in Two Towers as being this shield maiden who wants to fight, but at every turn is told by the men in her family, no, you can't fight. Stay with the women and the children in the caves. Or... To take the women and children and lead them to safety, and she's just like, I want to fight. Yeah, exactly. it's just like I want I mean, to take a sword. MCU needs to take
5: note some of how to this. create a strong yeah. female character. Exactly. That's and that's <laughs> the thing go. is that here we go. No, it's like <laughs> when you have and There's it's a like, TikTok coming up right. <laughs> you, you actually have a strong female character who you know is even despite the fact, because, you know, at some point in this movie, she's, like, interested in Aragorn and then she realises that he has his own love interest and then she realises this guy's, like, 90 years old at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Which and is actually an extended scene as well. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's not a uh, movie, yeah. But, like, that's the thing is that, like, you have this person who hasn't had this, you know, amazing run, dealing with their own issues and always getting, yeah, always getting shot down and stuff, and then, eventually has their moment, but also throughout shows moments of strength and, like, and it's, like, moments of strength in their own natural way. That's, like, that's how you actually write a strong female lead. Like, that, that's what it is. It's not just I'm going to make someone invincible with no arc whatsoever. So, it, yeah, it's it's awesome. And kind of moments of vulnerability throughout, you know, like she's she's the one that, like, wants to stick with her uncle but is just hopeless and that's when, like, this whole, this scene that we're talking about, when the flag falls down. Oh
2: yeah, yeah.
5: But like, also like, before that, let yeah. me just say, the um, is it the first? Thing, which is that meme scene where where we're talking about elven sight or foresight? It's in Two Towers, right? When it's right, it's back and he, it's before this and he talks it's, about the sun.
2: It's a red, red sun, sun rises. And, yeah, yeah. What, blood what has, is, been blood, blood has, has been spilled. Blood has been spilled. It's like yeah. what the fuck are you talking? <laughs> are you want shrooms? What the fuck is this? Yeah, this is when they're chasing Marion Pippin <laughs> and they're yeah. on the fields.
5: It's like I, I think the the movie is good at showing that he's special in this way, but they, sh- they should have done a little bit more to say what that means because, like,
4: yeah, yeah.
2: he's
5: like, motherfucker, are you telling me that the sun just rises and looks a bit more like well,
2: on, a, on, a, on a cursory skin level thing, it's like the elves, the Sindarin elves especially, like the ones yeah. who are in the forest and the, the nature, are very attuned to the natural world. Yeah. To the point where – Well,
5: I think that's what they should have done is, like, do a bit more of that and and, like, actually yeah. show kind of – how he feels it, not just turn around. But. Well,
2: thats it's, it's kind of like that whole scene where Aragorn's like some strange evil is at work here. Like the, yeah. the, the, the the land sets its will against us, almost gives strength to the uruk they are going faster. So Legolas is the one who actually says that line. Mm. And he's the one who's like, you know, the Uruks have turned northeast, they're taking the hobbits to Isengard using his elven sight. He, he's so in tune to nature, and I feel like it's a reference maybe, the way Tolkien was writing Sindar and Elves, was that they are interpreting the light of the valor. In every step of the way, so like the the, yeah. the the red sun is maybe talking about a like the representation of the the light of the two trees, yeah. That is more somber than sad or something because they exactly and I think they're also
5: sun. they're also feeling because Isengard is also part of the it's like the south of the that plain that because all this is coming from Isengard right like yeah. all the orcs and stuff like that so which if you look at the map it's kind of like the the plains of Rohan kind of come down then Isengard and the Forest of Fangorn so I think also they're kind of when they know about that land. I think, I don't, yeah, I don't know who says that. I think it is Aragorn that says.
2: Yeah, Aragorn says like, it in the films. Yeah, yeah.
5: They might also be like sensing that because Aragorn is supposed to have his own little. The Numenorians have their own.
2: Oh,
5: yeah. I mean, they don't really, they don't properly allude to it in in this, but he also has his own kind of interpretations of the world and can sense, has his stronger sense of what's going on. Yeah, but yeah. I find this, the start of these three, like Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn, is sick because. You see, cause you know that Mary and Pippin are being carried away or whatever. You, you, you know about this story and they're just getting butt fucked by these Urukai essentially, not literally. Okay. <laughs> That's not what happens. But, and then but the funny thing is like, it's, it's actually frightening to watch. There's this group of Urukai and orcs and whatever just taking these hobbits casually and. They're a terrifying bunch, and then these yeah. three are like, "Let's hunt these motherfuckers down," and they start just tearing after them. Yeah, which yeah. is running like, after them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, holy shit, these guys mean business. Like, yeah. they're just not. There's like no chill for these guys. They're yeah. hunting these guys down, yeah. and um, it's,
2: it's and it's a cool sequence. Uh, it's it's Peter Jackson's favorite sequence that he shot in in the movie that chase sequence. It's
5: Dunedin, right? They filmed this all in. Oh, they, they filmed it
2: in Alexandria? Alexandria, Canterbury, uh, south like Twizel as well, like near southeast of the South Island. Yeah, Dunedin's a bit too far south, but it was. It's basically everything between Dunedin and Christchurch, uh, which is a really big expanse. But most there's but Twizel. Also Dunedin
5: also it. sounds like the Dunedin.
2: Dunedin. Oh, that, that is true. That is which true.
5: Which is uh, always I found interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, did they name this
2: anyway? Yeah, it, it's it's uh, that whole sequence. I think is the is the. Fastest pace in the movie, where they're chasing yeah. him down. It's in the beginning as well, so it's quite quite intense. And then uh, and then we switch over to Merry and Pippin intermittently between Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, which constantly keeps the tension going because you're like, these are hobbits that are they're being taken hostage, but they're not they're not doing well. Merry's got a gash on his forehead. Pippin's trying to take care of Merry, and
5: and it's different timelines because they're discovering they kind of just it's like the the play on the mind again. It's like oh they're dead, but they just they think that. The hobbits are dead, yeah, and then you find out what happens to them, and then these guys actually find out they're not actually dead. Like, oh it's, yeah. a cool, so, it's so like they, a flip. They keep going back and forth. That's when they come
2: across Armer's group. Yeah, and then he's yeah. like, "We've been hunting, hunting a pack of Urukai, going westward across the plain. None and was spared. We burned them all." Yeah, yeah, that's that's really worrying. And then, there's a lot of stake in the audience because the last time we see Merry and Pippin is like a big horse is about to smash, smash Merry, Pippin's head. Pippin, and yeah, yeah. You don't see him again. Then Armer's the like, "You know, we slaughtered the orcs. We left none alive." Then the dread kind of sets in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and
3: then we get to the scene where Aragorn kicks the
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, they get to the mound of Urukai and it's that famous scene of Gimli finding one of the belts, Elven belts. And yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh Vigo Mortensen does this amazing take of like just kicking a helmet and screaming in rage. And what you don't know Don't say that- it. <laughs> I have to say it, this is the podcast. This is the podcast, sir. uh anyone who doesn't know, that was the fifth take of him kicking the helmet. First three takes was all over the place. He was kicking the helmet in the air and Peter Jackson was like, I'm putting the camera here to so try and kick the helmet across. Second take, it was getting closer. Third take, it got really close. Uh, like it almost flew over. Fourth take, beautiful kick. went right over the camera and so Peter Jackson was like, ah, if, if the fourth take was this good, fifth take would be the best. So he told Vigo, one more take. He kicks it and he has this like Blood curdling scream and frustration sits down and Peter's like, Oh, this is amazing. This is <laughs> he's like, so really good. put his heart into it. Really put his heart into it. And then is doing this, you know, just, this, he's still in character. They cut and apparently after that, Vigo just came by and told Peter Jackson, I've broken my toe <laughs> <laughs> and he channeled that pain. And it's just like, I was one of the first people when I first saw this behind the scenes, I was going around my school in high school going, oh, did you know that Vegan Mortensen broke his toe? <laughs> I was one of those guys. Now it's a meme. It's like people who like can't resist saying that shit. He,
5: he, Gets absolutely owned in this trilogy of movies. Have you heard about? So there's, I don't know whether it's Return of the King or in the Helm's Deep scene where a shield or something goes into him and he, like his front tooth, like half of it comes out. Helm's Deep. And then he was like, nah, let's just continue. And everyone was like, fuck off. And they <laughs> flew him, they flew him to like civilization for just like emergency a, a, a dental just, work. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And then got him back. Yep. He was like, nah, fuck it. It'll be fine. And so there's
2: like videos, there's videos of
5: him talking, showing his teeth. Broken. broken and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
2: this was so that, that that we're kind of jumping towards the end of the this these these three character storyline. But the Helms Deep shots, yeah, were night shots. They had to be done at night. It was three to four months of continuous night shots. Yeah, so like they had to go from like I don't know seven p.m. to like three a.m. every night for th- for three to four months. By the end of that, you go Vigo- summer as well, right? Because oh, I you think can't so. film in the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in New
5: Zealand, was summer. In no, no,
2: th- so there's all the- only like, there's not that much
5: nightfall in summer in New Zealand. That is true. <laughs> it makes yeah. it even harder. Yeah. The,
2: the Helms Deep stuff was shot in Wellington because they had to use a quarry right. to, to, oh. to film that stuff in. But even then, like by the time the shot was finished, Vigo had like chunks out of his hand due to stunt work and the swords ripping off mm. the air yeah, like that. Uh, there was a lot of, the stuntmen had all kinds of injuries. Yeah. Because they were filming in wet weather, metal. And it's an amazing story of endurance for those guys. I don't know how they did it.
3: Yeah, well, the Battle of Helms Deep it was uh, shot over four months.
2: Four months, yeah, four yeah. months, yeah. constant months. night shots. And
3: uh, they had the rain machine for the whole time period. So every day they were using the rain machine. Too. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's insane because these urukai, the guy who did the stuntmen who did the urukai, they're actually really buff. A lot of the Maori, a lot of them like you know South Islanders, and they they had to wear these prosthetic suits day in day out that was drenched. And they didn't have dryers, like enough dryers for everyone. So they went through hell. Yeah, they went through actual trench warfare. The thing warfare.
5: is that the reason why the orcs are so fierce, like they're so scary looking in Lord of the Rings as opposed to the Hobbit is because they actually have, like there is no yes. CGI in it's this good for the point. orcs. Good it's point. It's all prosthetics. Costume.
2: Facial prosthetics yeah. as well. And they're so menacing. Like that opening scene with the uruk when when you see facial prosthetics and it's like, you know, the guy's like, Saruman will have his prize. We will deliver it. It's like, you can see his face yeah. move. His I still don't even out. understand how they- It's so good. They make the
5: mouths look mental, right? Like all these yeah. screwed up teeth. and I still don't understand how they do this dental prosthesis. Like, I don't get it. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Like, like, someone needs to explain it to me. It's magic. It's it like they, they apply it on the top of it and underneath and it's like- Yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy. And obviously the actors who are speaking have to be like voiceover dubbed afterwards. Yeah. But it still looks so much more menacing still looks, yeah. than any CGI could ever achieve. Exactly. Like that scene where Mary and Pippin are in the forest- and the Uruks are hard and hungry and they're like, oh, I'm starving. We've had nothing but bread. And they look at the hobbits Meat's and it's back like on the menu, boys. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why, why can't we eat their legs? They don't need them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just so menacing. <laughs> and that one, one awkward, is like sallow face. And he's the one who eventually chases yeah. Merry and Pippin. It's yeah. nightmare inducing. It is no CGI. Yeah, it's all prosthetics. Yeah. It's all prosthetics. And then, uh, that that's why all persistent. these movies
5: that don't use CGI, so like the original Jurassic Park, where they. Just use the actual T Rex head and moving eyeballs. It this stuff looks unbelievably real and it holds up. It, yeah. it stands the age of time like that. Jurassic Park, still a classic. You watch it again, you're not like, oh, this aged poorly. It ages very well. And same with Lord of the Rings.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's ages they, so well. There is a lot of, a lot of actual prosthetic. Shout out to Jed Brophy who was the, uh, orc in every, Two Towers. Every
5: character ever. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, he was two orcs in Two Towers. Um, the one that one who's like, why can't we have some meat? And he eventually tries to. Kill the hobbits and he gets his head chopped off. Oh, yeah. Uruks, Uruks eat him yeah. up. Uh, he, he's later in uh, The Hobbit as Nori, I believe. And then he comes back in Rings of Power as another orc. So he's the yeah. one recurring thread between all <laughs> all the franchises.
5: He's friends with Nerd of the Rings. Is he really? Yeah, and that's how he gets all his info. Oh, shit. The I didn't know info that. info about that's the pretty show cool. and stuff. Yeah.
2: Oh, Cool. Shout out to Note of the Rings. Yeah, check him out. He's really cool. The
5: only reason I know things about actual lore is because of that channel. And Men of the West. And Men of the West. <laughs> it's Men of the West. <laughs>
3: nice. Just on that, on the prosthetic stuff, the level of detail that they had. So they didn't want the orc's mouth to look pink like normal humans. So they made them eat licorice, so it looked black. Wow. Okay, there you go. Uh, there
5: you go. I'm just like, how do they do this? It's so black. Oh so that's, they're munching on detail. licorice,
3: so it looks like they're...
5: Oh so, uh, yeah, because their mouths are like always dirty all the time. So I'm like, oh, there you go. They're always munching on
2: licorice. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, disgusting, but yeah, it's ominous. Yeah, it's I mean, I really,
5: like really licorice, cool. Actually, what well, right now? Real licorice. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> this is
2: such a, always a disappointing really? podcast. Huh?
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, anything else on Aragon, Legolas, Gimli? Me- well,
2: uh, without going into Helm's Deep, like the end, we can talk about the oh, final the battle. Game. The counting. This is yeah. when it starts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Helm's Deep. Legolas in Helm's and Gimli. Deep. Yeah, yeah, in Le- Helm's Deep, yeah, Legolas and Gimli's dynamic in this yeah. is
3: really good. It's really good. I enjoyed it. There's a part in Helm's Deep where it's like, uh, do you want me to narrate it to you or do you want me to get you a box where he can't see? He can't but- see beyond yeah. the ramparts. Yeah, but yeah. This is where all, have
4: you,
5: this is where all the memes. <laughs> have you seen the. <laughs> there is a YouTube channel that is just about memes and they make, they just cut and they edit Lord of the Rings scenes of Gimli. God. So, like, so well, but so that he just seems like the creepiest fuck. But in this scene where he tells him, like, hey, do you want me to narrate to you or get your box? And then Gimli just turns around and just starts,
4: that's
5: all it is. It's just this crazy laugh. Yeah. Oh, that's and then that is like the meme for Gil- Gimli. And like, you could like make any, 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 like, it's just like, it was this meme where like, people it's say like the, things it's, that could be dodgy. And yeah, then yeah. it's just like, like
2: <laughs> that's brilliant. Shout out to John Rhys okay. Davies with the double act. He voiced he voiced Treebeard along with I uh, oh, did Gimli as well. So I oh, did he uh, he voiced Treebeard. Yeah. Okay. So good. So but Gimli's good. a
5: badass in this,
3: you know. Yeah. When
2: oh, Aragon chucks oh, he him? tells it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Th- it's like throw me,
2: yeah. <laughs> chuck
3: me. Now those those three have a, some great stuff in that Helm's yeah. Deep sequence because yeah, Legolas and Gimli have that, and then Aragorn and Gimli have that. Aragorn, Gimli is basically
2: yeah. the glue that holds these guys together. Yeah. yeah uh, he's he's so so cool. And you see, he's a, he's a proper battle tank. He yeah. likes he likes battle, and he's like. That Helm's Deep sequence is very frightening because you see this this ominous force coming in. Gimli's just like, you know, send them to me. Come yeah. on. And he's just like, get, like, And give he, them out. I'm pretty sure his, his
5: count is like higher than Legolas in this battle. Yeah, he wins. And then Legolas takes it with the next one. But yeah. like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this one's nuts. He actually he's gets them. Which, absolute, which is really cool. Absolute tank.
2: And is, is not just like, I know a lot of people think that the movies kind of butchered Gimli's character by making him comic relief. Uh, he is comic relief, but also Merry and Pippin are comic relief. Aragorn oh. is comic relief in some scenes, you know. Like it doesn't necessarily he's not putting down one character. There's a lot yeah. of cool scenes with John Reese Davies where especially when like Theoden comes to Helm's Deep and he's like, Oh, we'll we'll be fine, we'll protect ourselves. And Gimli's just like, you know, this is no common mindless rabble of orcs. This is the Urukai. You know, yeah. their shield is thick and their armor is broad. Like he's got battle experience. He yeah. knows what's up. So he's like
3: Oh, it's comic relief when he
5: can be, but he's they don't just use him only for comic relief.
3: Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: They use him for a lot of serious good, stuff as well. Yeah,
5: people do underrate Gimli. Yeah. As, it would have been cool if they kind of gave him a little bit more just to emphasize how how much of an absolute beast he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the more the yeah.
2: more I, he gets a lot of screen time in Return of the King, which is good, which which is better. But uh, yeah, I, I like his dynamic. I like his dynamic with he has got a, a good dynamic with Aowen as well. Gimli, like yeah, it's kind of yeah. like this yeah. banter slash. There's a part he where he, on um like falls of off the horse. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Is that in this or is it Return of the King? It's in this one. He's talking about dwarf women. That's talks, yeah. that's when they're walking to Helm's Deep. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. 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 So when he first says, "You know, uh, you know, you can't tell because they've got beards as well." That's it, what Aragorn says. That's what Aragorn says. It is. Yeah, that's yeah, what Aragorn yeah, says. Yeah. Aragorn says in response, "The beards." Yeah, it's the beards. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gimme's one is like sometimes they're mistaken for dwarf men. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's like, That's 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 what started <laughs> the fan following for dwarf female dwarves. You got to see them. Like have beards and stuff, and they were, they did a good well, job. Ring of power, <laughs> rings of power. They don't have any
5: beards. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, it's close. You can see Disa having a bit of a sideburn. <laughs> it's close.
5: Oh no, oh, <laughs> it's, no. it's
2: close. But uh, yeah, that's cool. C- can we talk a bit about Aragorn and Eowyn's dynamic? Yeah, yeah. Because I quite enjoy it. Very old dynamic.
3: fashioned in, in the sense that she falls in love with him like a day. But yeah, yeah. Or well, she kind of <laughs> has.
2: She kind of has a crush on him. Like, I don't mm. know when she finally falls in love. Falls in love. I yeah. feel like she does that a bit more. I don't, I don't know if she really,
3: ever actually does because I think she does find out that he's... I think she yeah.
5: has a crush yeah. on him. If yeah. Think. yeah. I th- but, but I think it makes sense. Like, yeah. you think of her situation. Her, like, her uncle has gone to shit. Her brother's fucked off. Her cousin's dead. And as I, as I said, like, everything's hopeless. And then you have this guy ride in and you realise that these guys are... There's, like, this sense of badassery about them. Yeah, not, not
2: just that, but it's also the fact that she is someone who... She, she's a warrior at heart, right? Yeah. She wants to pick up the sword and be a member that's useful to her. And I think what she sees in Aragon quickly enough is that she, he's everything that kind of she wants in life to have yeah. that, that valor and that battle experience and that ability to bring hope to men's hearts. And, and mm. she doesn't just like him for the fact that he's a, he's a vagabond. It's like this is a guy who does what he says he will to help people. And she, craves that because she wants to help her people she can't fight because she's not allowed to like there's a beautiful scene with Aragorn and Erwin in the hall mm. where she's practicing with the sword and then uh, Aragorn's like why are you practicing with the sword and it's like well you know we we still need to know how to use them because we don't want to die upon them like by getting attacked and then Eowyn tells about like an like the her nightmare is being her nightmare is not being killed by orcs her nightmare is being stuck in a cage yeah where she dies of old age she has no other use than childbearing. It's like that's her nightmare. It's like she wants to be useful. So it's like whenever someone says, "Oh, I don't like Lord of the Rings. I don't like watching things that have no women in them and it's just all guys." I'm like, "Dude, watch the Two Towers, or at least read, like, read it or watch it, because Eowyn's character is amazing. Hundred percent
5: inspiration behind George R. R. Martin and his female, strong female lead, Brianna Tath. Yeah, I reckon Brienne, Brienne Toth. even just Arya. Yeah, Arya, just like you know, being told that she needs to be like a lady." And then just rebelling. This is it's not me. Yeah. That's that's Aowen.
2: And and when was Lord? Of the, when was Two Towers actually released? Again, you said it was uh, the 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 book. You know, nineteen fifty four. Okay. Yeah. This was if if like if the writing of the book for Aowen was released in the fifties, way ahead of its time for how Tolkien like would have represented a female warrior.
5: Yeah. When were the suffragettes there in the seventies?
2: Well, oh, as in the, the modern suffragettes. So the the, the whole feminist movement yeah. was way later like Tolkien was ahead of his time. So when the film comes out and people are saying, oh, this is full of dudes. I'm like, dude, you don't understand how Tolkien was when he wrote this stuff was ahead of his time. Yeah. And for them to actually depict a character like Eowyn with Miranda Otto's depiction was, it was really good in two towers. It was even better in return of the king. And it, it's not just some girl who pines after this dude. She has her own struggle with her uncle and her own struggle with like trying to defend her own people. You see a potential, she's technically a princess. She has a struggle trying to lead her people. And it's like, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So that, that added dynamic of her kind of, yeah, pining after Aragorn, it's, it's done respectfully well. Even after he says, you know, I've, this jewel belongs to an elf maiden who's going after the Undying Lands. She's kind of respectful, but she still has that admiration for him and she still crushes over him. Yeah,
5: you know? I think that's the thing. It's not like a, it's not a full, oh, I'm hopelessly in love with you and then finds out that oh, he, he's like in love with some other girl, and then she just, like, crashes and burns. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I think she finds out that when he sees that, what's it called? Whatever.
2: The Evanstar. Yeah. The yeah little jewel the thing. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's done in a yeah. tactful way. Yeah. I agree. On that, there's a couple
3: of things, actually, we should cover on Aragorn. There's an extended sequence with a horse, the mad horse, yeah, yeah, that they let go. Oh, Bre- uh,
5: what's his name? Brego.
2: Brego. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So that... I never understood that in the movie because I, I just thought it was his horse that comes and saves him later on, but it's actually the horse that they deem as being mad and they just let go. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize they let it yeah, go. I yeah, but he
2: always rode that horse. He doesn't. He let, they let that horse go. Yeah, let that horse go. His and horse at the warg attack on the way to Helm's Deep gets killed, and then um, when he's on the this, ravine, this Bruno Brego finds Brago.
5: Isn't Brego the horse of the prince who dies? No. No, I think it's just it's a not? horse that was in the
3: stables.
2: That I, it was it was a horse that experienced uh, its like, rider right, it an, an attack. I don't yes, think, I don't know oh if was, no? uh, okay, right. yeah. I don't think it was Théodred's horse. Yeah. No. Okay. Right. But it was a horse that was in an attack that was like yeah. m- like mad, shaken up, yeah. shaken up. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 And then he comes and saves him and brings him back. And Legolas uh, greets him when he gets back. Actually, uh, yep. With with the um, thing on his necklace. With the,
2: the, the, yeah. the even star. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And he's like. Oh, you're late. I think it says you're late or yeah. like kind of knew that he was still alive. Yeah. Uh and then obviously Gimli um also comes and says hi and then you can't from there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's like hey he's like you are the most reckless, yeah. <laughs> the most stupidest, the most, the most inconsiderate person I've ever knew and I can't believe you're back.
3: <laughs> but I just like the exchange that he has with Legolas cuz it's just a they don't really say anything to each other. Yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. like look at each other. It's just yeah. like, oh, you yeah. took your time. You look like yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: cool. Yeah, it's a nice dynamic. Yeah. Oh, also
5: yeah. one of the cooler scenes in um, with these three. It's like you know, it's often these three, but then there's also three plus one when Gandalf yes. comes in. Yeah. So when he comes to, um, yeah, what's that city called? The capital of the Eteros? The it one on the hill. Yeah, Eteros. Ederos. Yeah, when he comes to Eteros. You know, all the guards are confiscating all their weapons and stuff. Yeah, yeah and then the Gandalf stuff. is like, "Oh, you wouldn't." um What does he say? He says, "Like you wouldn't part an old man with his stuff." Yeah, with his walking yeah, yeah, Wormtongue's yeah. like, <laughs> "You let him keep his staff." It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, about. And the the best part is he's walking right. The camera focuses on Gandalf walking yeah, towards. It- these, These guys in the Bayden. background. These guys are just taking out every guard left, <laughs> 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 yeah. oh, yeah. casually. Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn just delivering the greatest beating on earth. Yeah. Yeah. It's like three v twenty, and they yeah. absolutely own them.
4: Nice,
3: yeah. It's and so the good. focus isn't even on that because they focus everything on Gandalf in that. Yeah, uh, because you find out his um, white Gandalf the white. Then yeah, so that,
5: and also yeah. Saruman says. Something about, you know, Gandalf the gray. And then he takes off his cloak and he just reveals this light. And then like, yeah. and he was like, I'll, I'll weed I'll, you like a poison from a, yeah, yeah like a, a poison from a wound. wound. It's like, oh, this, some of these lines are so poetic. It's like, un- as in, do you know where that comes from? Like poison from a wound? It's the old way of when people got stung, I, like suck the, they wound would out of suck thing. the poison out of the actual wound. So yeah, you got okay. stung by a snake. Snake. Yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, the indigenous did it. Right, that was their way of doing it in Australia. They would suck out and spit out the blood. Yeah. So it's like this real like, I'm gonna, f- I'm gonna like bleed you out of this guy. You know, I'm gonna.
2: It's like this real like. Actually, all of Gandalf's lines in that scene are awesome. Like the one where you, if, Wormtongue is like. Gandalf's uh,
5: lines once he gets resurrected are uh, oh no, just in general, just before, unbelievably yeah. poetic.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Like like Wormtongue's coming up to him, it's like you know, lad, spell our name him. Ill news is an ill guess. What are you doing here? And like. Gandalf's like be silent. I didn't fight through fire and death to bandy creed words from a witless worm. <laughs> and it's like dude, that's amazing. <laughs> know, it's
5: just alliteration it's <laughs> it's everything. is everything. It's so good. There's like Gandalf says these lines in um I think it's in Return of the King in the extended edition where he talks about Gondor and kind of it's like these words that describe Gondor where like the tombs are more expensive or, like they spend more money on the tombs of their predecessors. It's like the description of Gondor that he says, and and even when he's talking to um Pippin about how death is merely but another journey, it's just like all these profound poetic lines that are unbelievable and just like descriptions of just the nature of being human, right? Like Tolkien's describing these things that have happened to the ruin of civilization, you know, like Rome was kind of like that and you're spending all this money on on the past and on memories, rather than the people who are suffering in front of you yeah. right now, it's, it's like absolutely the the things that Gandalf says are unreal. And I I just watch it every time. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. It's
2: ridiculous. Which it kind of brings into the forward. Like Gandalf's role is to well, Gandalf the Grey was meant to unite the hearts of men, or unite the hearts of different civilizations. Right? That was his role. As Gandalf the White, that becomes much more you could say potent. And the urgency is also ramped up. So mm. that's why we see him speaking much more poetically about this because it's it's now so much more relevant. So like this might be a good time to go into Gandalf's arc. Yeah, I guess, yeah, we we're on
3: Gandalf at the moment. And yeah, that, that scene that we were just talking about when I think it's when Saruman realized that he's in a bit of trouble now because Gandalf the White has returned. Yeah. yeah. Well yeah. yeah, he
5: thought <laughs> Balrog meant Gandalf's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I just just going back to like when you first saw Two Towers. Did you know Gandalf was going to come back? I didn't. Uh, know. didn't I know? did not
3: know. No, I did not know either.
2: I, and when I, it, when the big
5: reveal happens, you know, the it's White a big Wizard. Deal. Yeah, everyone's the whole I thought it was Saruman. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The White Wizard yeah. is Saruman. It's supp- it's yeah. supposed to be Saruman, and then yeah. he takes the mantle, right? Well,
2: I, I I still remember when I was in the theaters watching it. I was like, I was so, I was still, I was still devastated by the fact of Gandalf's death. And this is this comes back to the very first scene of Two Towers where. It opens up and it kind of, you see Misty Mountains, you start hearing lines from Gandalf from the Fellowship. And then it dives into that scene in Moria, Khazad-dûm, on the bridge of Khazad-dûm, where Gandalf's facing the Balrog alone. And you're just sitting there like, I'm watching the sequel to Lord of the Rings. Why am I watching this traumatic moment again? This is devastating. Why am I watching it again? You don't, the audience, I didn't know I was watching it again. And then you see the same scene, the same music, the same score and Gandalf falls Frodo screams a bit early and you see the camera now follows Gandalf through the depths. And it's this is what I mean by the most powerful opening in a film. It just shows him diving into the depths, full, full like free fall, fighting the Balrog. He grabs Glamdring on free fall, like the blade that was forged in Gondolin. And he's fighting a Balrog, falling through the air. And I'm like, this is insane. I thought he died the moment he fell. He didn't die. He was fighting the Balrog and he's just... Dueling this and thing, In dueling that this scene,
5: thing. the Balrog's like massive, right? The Balrog is, it bloody is huge. huge. It's right? huge. And also in the lore of Lord of the Rings, it's kind of like an equivalent to them, like, because these wizards are Maya, they're right? Maya, yeah. And so, uh, and Balrog the are Maya, are Maya as well. So yeah. they're like, they're equals. They're not, it's not just some random monster.
2: Well, they're equals in the sense that well, a Balrog Maya spirit is like, it's uncontrolled shadow and flame. And it's Sauron is also a Maya spirit. That's why he's really like, he's he's hot to touch. And that's how he yeah. kills Celebrimbor like, with flames. Gandalf, though, because he's Istari, he has, or well Gandalf specifically can use fire in a more productive way. So he's got the flame, the flame of Udun that he can use. And also, technically,
5: he wears the ring. He's supposed to wear the ring of yeah, fire. Yeah. True. Even before he wore the rings, one yeah. of the three.
2: Even before he wore the ring, he had that ability to kind of use particular yeah. brands. But he's here fighting the Balrog, and it's just so, but it's so amazing. There's that scene where,
5: so the Balrog, so what I was trying to allude to, Balrog's huge, and Gandalf's smaller than Balrog, right? Yeah and then they and they fall, and then there's that scene where it's like this massive, it's not a close-up, it's like from far away. Yeah, it's it's like like the chasm. The, the chasm. Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, they fall yeah, into yeah. the chasm, and they're tiny, yep, but yep. then the flame just lights the whole canyon up. I see chasm it. Up. Yeah. And it's like, that's such it's, a it's cool scene. visually, <laughs> that, I was going
3: to say, that's the most visually spectacular opening yeah. To, yeah. To, to a movie It just ever. gives you
5: the scale. Yeah, it's oh. everything that they're going and through. And
3: it's all dark, and you just see that light up, and you just see it sort of light up. As they're falling down, and yeah, the
5: fight just keeps yeah. going. Like it, yeah. that's not the end of it. They end up on the bloody top of the mountain somehow. Like
2: yeah, the, yeah in the snow, in the snow yeah. some crazy yeah. shit. The, 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 the amazing thing is, none of this is in the books. Right, this uh, whole this whole yeah, battle yeah. of him Gandalf falling down fine none of it's in the books. This, the, the, it's the whole thing old, is it? Well, the, the what inspired this whole scene was so. There's two principal artists that work in making the art for this film: John Howe and Alan Lee. They were the ones who did most of the artwork for the books. And for most of Tolkien's legendatum, um, Peter Jackson brought them over from, you know, England and the US. John Howe did a small artwork of Gandalf fighting the Balrog in Freefall for like Middle Earth, the card game or something. And he had it on his office. Peter Jackson looked at that and he goes, oh, we have to make a scene of that. Yeah. So this whole scene, this whole sequence was inspired off of one drawing and it's so cool.
5: Some of the drawings that people have for this lore is unbelievable, right?
2: Like he, oh,
5: now it's insane. Now it's everywhere, but the The way they do it as well, and I think
2: it's insane. Yeah, and most crazy. of that comes from John Howe and Alan Lee. So the the really descriptive and like ninety percent of their artwork was used to inspire most of the creations of, oh, you know, the Black Gate or, or Minas Tirith or even just the wraiths, how they're depicted. But you know that scene where we're just talking about how they both come yeah. down to the cavern? I'd love to bring the score into this moment, right? So uh, there's a there's a channel on YouTube. It's an amazing channel. It actually goes into the lyrics of the score. It's the it orchestra. Men of the
5: West? No, it's
2: not. No, no, it's not Men of the West. I think it's like no. behind <laughs> behind the score or the score analysis of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. The score has its own story. Like the chorus, they're singing their own lines in Quenya and Zindarin. And it's got this parallel storyline that the score is saying. So as they're coming through the cavern, right, the score suddenly broadens into a great rolling chords, mixed chorus, aggregating low strings. And it's one final assault. The, the words in Quenya are basically saying... To the end, servant of fire, finish the fight. That's the words that are writing. Metana Narendo, which is uh, Gandalf's name in, in Quenya. So it's so cool seeing how, like, even then, the the, the chorus is pounding the message that you, your role is not finished. All right. To the end. Keep going to the end. That doesn't mean to your death. It means beyond that. Your role is not yet finished on Middle Earth. You see that? It just flashes into Frodo's dream. So you kind of left. Is it, did that happen? Yeah. That's when you first get the spark of, like is Gandalf actually dead? No. Everyone thinks he's dead, and then you see he's they're kind of building up to the White Wizard in the forest. You don't know is Saruman going to capture Merry and Pippin?
5: But I'm pretty sure the law states, or well, there is a reference in the law in Silmarillion, whatever, that says that Gandalf was sent from Eluvita. How do you say the name? Eluvitar. Eluvitar. Eluvitar was literally sent to solve the problem of Sauron, and so as the power of Sauron rises, he is sent to Middle Earth. That that is like the the kind of, and then they kind of leave it at that. So whether whether he knows or not is another question. But, yeah. and so like, and it comes up to like, yeah, your role is not done yet. This yeah. is, you know, and then he talks about how, uh, is it, yeah, it's after this that he talks about how he was like, his mind was in, it was in like pure light or space. Or, yeah, he's straight,
2: straight out of, like, this is when he finished, finally slayed the Balrog on top of Zidoc Ziggiel. Yeah. And then you just see him lying down and he fades out of thought and time. Stars wheeled above. He kind of describes himself going through some time, a weird time lapse. Yeah. Where he could, it, I, I think he's describing his his essence going back into Valinor. This this happens with blonde. this happens with a couple of characters in the Tolkien legendatum. they die in sacrifice. Glorfindel, for example, he dies almost the exact same way Gandalf dies, fighting a Balrog, falling to the depths, defeating it on the fall of Gondolin. He actually got, Glorfindel's brought back to Middle Earth in a much more enlightened form, similar to what happens to Gandalf. So he's, he's he's brought back. Yeah, and he says this, He's brought back until his task is done. You don't know who brings him back or what purpose, but you kind of get the feel that there's a there's a will beyond that of evil here. Mm. Yeah, which is something we touched on in the first podcast. Yes, first yes nice, it. nice.
3: Yes, yeah, and about mysteries not necessarily having
2: a solution. Correct. Keeping yeah. things open ended. So like that reunion with Gandalf is really kind of cathartic. Yes, because yes. you see that you see the trio as well. It's like they kind of they don't know it's him. Yeah, and, and finally- Legolas thinks it's Saruman. I yeah. think he. Because he says something before they. He says something about the white. is that the white yeah. wizard approaches, and then oh, yeah. do not let him speak or put a spell on us. Yeah, is, that's right. That's t- right. correct. Yeah. So they all attack him with ranged weapons, and, and then he just and yeah. he, he deflects yeah. them. Yeah, huh? yeah. he's yeah. like yeah. holy shit,
5: dude. <laughs> he's pretty
2: good. And then he and the, he
3: actually doesn't remember his name because Aragorn calls him Gandalf, Gen- but yeah. then he's like, oh, that's what they used to. Call yeah. Him. yeah,
2: I'm not sure how I. I don't remember yeah. if that was in the books, but I feel like it, they're kind of suggesting that Gandalf had a journey that's that just past all time to the point where he even forgot who he was which explains a lot it kind of he slowly starts remembering oh yeah Frodo oh yeah Sam because later on the down the track he's just like he's talking to Aragorn It's like you know Frodo will need to do this journey alone and, and correctly and Aragorn's like he's not alone Sam went with him like, oh oh yeah I forgot about him he's just like <laughs> for a second he's just like <laughs> yeah. he went with him that's good that's good <laughs> like, so he, he's coming back a bit and his
3: entrance in Helm's Deep is, is oh, pretty yeah. great. Look yeah. for me
5: on the fifth day, or
3: in yeah.
2: The- oh, you mean in the final battle? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. When yes. he brings the Rohirrim, he brings the Rohirrim, and uh, basically is a day six machina to save the the whole troop. That that's amazing, and that's when the game
1: <laughs> returns. Yeah, the, the game,
2: starts. yeah, of the- yeah, yeah. Return yeah. the <laughs> deep. I think that imagery is etched into my
3: mind because you see Aragorn look up at the window, and you see the light. Coming through. Yeah and, yeah, then, yeah. and then you see Gandalf. In the game. In the game and in the movie. You and in the movie, movie oh, as well. well yeah. I remember this yeah. scene because of the game. <laughs> yeah. The
5: game starts off this way. I've played that game so many times <laughs> yeah. that I just remember. It just looked to me in the, on the whatever day it is. Fourth light of the fifth day. Yeah. Yeah. Dawn looked to oh, the
2: east. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that was. And It, it kind of comes that home. When he says that, it just sounds so profound. Like how he's so precise. It goes back to saying wizards are never late or early. They arrive precisely when they mean um, to. Yes. So he, oh, yeah. he kind of. He's driving this essence of, like, you know, Mithrandir or Gandalf will appear at the right time to rekindle rekindle the hopes of men. And in this case, literally to rekindle the hopes of all these soldiers who have been fighting at Helm's Deep and the elves who came to Helm's Deep and were all slaughtered because of their valiant efforts. wasn't in the books, but I think it actually is is a really good detail to have them in the movie. Oh, it's not in the books. No, the elves never come. Helm's Deep in the books is just like I never on. give a fuck. <laughs> 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 that, that, that's the thing that, like, they never come to the aid of Helm's Man. Deep because yeah. this, is a, this is another battle that doesn't concern them. But in the movies, they actually do send them out. Lorien sends out their their warriors. And in the movies originally, uh, Arwen was going to be in Helm's Deep fighting alongside Aragorn. They actually filmed a lot of it. Oh, really? They had Arwen's stunt double and Arwen in red costume, red and black, fighting with her, you know, half hang and everything. But they, I think rightfully so, cut it out. Because mm-hmm. they they were thinking, how do we reconnect Arwen and Aragorn to have their? Because she has a supplement. parallel
3: storyline where she's being sent off, right, and then she's having well, she's supposed story. to go back to.
2: Elrond's El- 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 trying to tell her, you know,
5: well, like every elf does that though, right? They eventually yeah. return because they're immortal.
2: Yeah, well, it's their last chance to go back, and it's like the time of the elves is ending. And he's telling he's telling Arwen, you can stay here if you want, if you have hope, but you still have to taste the bitterness of mortality and if Aragorn has become king and everything that happens you want is happens. You, you'll you still have to bury him he'll still die and you'll be like youthful and ageless and you'll have to wander this earth alone and it's like he's not wrong but he's leaving out a lot of stuff in between that <laughs> yes. what might happen which you'll see in Return of the King but poor Arwen is just like doesn't know what to do and she's obviously kind of really conflicted but yeah she was meant to be in Helm's Deep in the movie thankfully she wasn't <laughs> that would have been yeah. a bit too
3: much I think anything else on Helm's Deep that one um Urukai that runs in with the, with the bomb.
2: Oh, the berserker! <laughs> yeah, yeah. The berserker. That's uh, carrying the Olympic torch. That, that, that whole all right, Helm's Deep as a siege is so beautifully done. That was the first proper siege scene I've ever seen in 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 cinema. Yeah, We've done amazingly well. Uh, that whole berserker scene about destroying the wall and bringing it up. Yeah, it's like Legolas gets him twice. He still, He's still- runs. It just shows how tough this particular berserker. is. He (laughs) doesn't just run; he goes flying. Yeah, he like jumps. He like
5: yeah.
2: Legolas has
3: that scene where he, you know, does a skateboard with shield surfs. Yeah, shield surfs and the thing, and he chucks the shield, which I'm sure Tolkien
2: fans will love. Tolkien, (laughs) Tolkien, if Toby rolling his grave, but that was. I think that
3: was that was good. And then in the Hobbit trilogy, they took it a little bit too far. Uh, it's like
5: the Hobbit trilogy. Is yeah. Trilogy. But- <laughs> Why was he? He's not supposed to be in that trilogy. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It's, Why? He's <laughs> supposed to be like a murder. Why? Room,
2: it's man. stupid. Yeah. So, the funny, the whole shield surfing thing, you know where it came from? The director of photography, the guy who was filming that scene, is like, I love taking my family snowboarding. So, it'd be cool if Legolas did a snowboarding scene where like, yeah. he's shield surfing down and shooting the seeds. And it wasn't until I was playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild that I was shield surfing. Scoping orcs out of my like out of my yeah. sight. I'm like, oh, you know what? I understand this. I'm yeah. glad they kept that scene. <laughs> it's a cool scene. Um, oh Helmzip as a battle, all, all together, yeah. it's just mind blowing. The the Great. the build up, the tension, the whole scene where all the elves are dead, yeah. Haldir gets slain. Mm. It's just this like beautiful depiction of like you know the, the mortality of the elves. Like they well, are. You know,
5: if a, if an elf gets caught in slow motion, you know they're about to die. That's oh, what happens yeah. all the time. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's, it's just it's sad when an elf dies because they're meant to live forever. Yeah. And they, they, they're they sacrificing their lives and they're dying, like all youthful faces in the crowd. They're all like lying in the mud with the blood mm-hmm. coming out of them. Haldia is just like looking at the end of his days. It's sad. It's really sad. But it, it's like this never happened in the book, so two towers is adding on that lore.
3: All right. Mm-hmm. Pippin and Merry. Pippin and Merry. So I think we're kind of covered up to the part they go into the forest. So once they go into the forest, they meet Treebeard, Things, yeah,
2: slow down by accident. They're trying to escape this orc.
3: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of scenes that are in the extended edition where they're like drinking water from this yeah, forest and, and, and yeah. draft and that. But yeah. the,
2: the 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 bulk of the scenes, Merry and Pippin with the tribute is that tribute holding holding and Pippin. And for the first part, he doesn't know if they're orcs or what they are. They're trying to say, "Well, hobbits, we're just we're, yeah. just, we're friendly." Yeah. And he's just like, oh, "I don't trust <laughs> you." I never. I never met a Hobbit, and yeah, it sounds like orc mischief, and yeah. they come with axes and they cut us. He's just on this rant, and he's just like, "I want nobody's side because no one's on my side." And it's like I've never related to a character before in my life that strongly. <laughs> he's, he's 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 a true he's a true uh, what do you call? But it? he's
5: like it, it, it sounds like he's one of those. I think what he was trying to depict was the people that were probably old in the pre World War One era. I'm talking about the the Prussian War that happened in 1900 and like. You know, all these battle hardened fucks that were, you know, they'll, they'll there, but they've been through it all. They've been through this crazy thing and therefore they believe no one is for them, that nothing, they can't relate to anyone else and they're always suspicious of everyone else. I think that's kind of, you know, there's, there's always people like that, you know, there's people who have been in, who have been through so much trauma. Or they've been through so much crap that they trust no one else. I think that's kind of what he was, maybe that's where the inspiration. that's
2: very interesting because i always thought the inspiration for tribute was literal nature like he saw the devastation of war that had on like nature like trees plants well yeah like trench warfare you had to actually raise entire fields yeah dig trenches that would destroy every all wildlife
5: but um the most or to me i think the possibly the most important line in lord of the rings is said by mary which is uh, i'm probably misquoting here but it's after they've had their meeting and all this sort of shit and they're like, these wars don't concern us. And or so whatever he says. And then Mary's question is, but are you not a part of this world? And it's like, that's just like, that is such an important question to ask because it's it's kind of like, it's a question you got to ask yourself just all the time. Like, why do you even, why do you care about the problems of other people? Yeah, yeah. And like, if you're a part of this community, if you're a part of, if you're another human being that can empathize with someone else, then yeah, that that's what it that's what it's worth. You know, are you not a part of this world? Why do you not care? And then it's such an important question. And then eventually the fact that I think it's Pippin that tells him to go via the area where they've cut down Fanghorn. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's that. the that's yeah. enough, at least in the movies, to then bring like this it's like rage, isn't it? It's it's rage, but he says like I I knew these like these people, yeah. my friends. And yeah, they, like, like oh. all the tree falls out, out,
3: and they all
2: and they all come. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. That's like so sad as well. You're yeah. like, oh my god. It's like
2: There is uh, that line is so. Like, there is no curse in Elvish, Entish, or the tongues of men for this treachery, yeah. and and then he just basically channels. Yeah, he calls all the Ents and they march. And he says, and "It's like he
5: said. A wizard should know better. Yeah, yeah. A wizard
2: because yeah. their role is to
5: from memory. Yeah, like
2: yeah, like yeah, they because
5: enough- they should know. They should know kind of. Um, what is holy and what what, do, what are lines that should not be crossed. And, yeah, yeah. and you would think that a Maya or whatever would know how important that is. I think that's that's what they're alluding to. Yeah. And the fact that like Saruman has done this is like that line, I was like, oh, my God, there's some like profound lines here that refer to law and like meaning and what is like something you just should not do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like going beyond the scope of all evil and like destroying things that, uh, just nature, right? Destroying nature is like this, it's like so unnecessary.
2: Well, like- d- destroying nature is one thing, but destroying nature for warfare, that industrialization, yeah, yeah. which we talked about, Saruman, like Isengard, yeah. everything from the music of Isengard to the theme and the factory and the, all that, it's just all about burning, oh, yeah. destroying. The well, so
5: music is literally a hammer. It's like, da da da, just. Hammering, the hammering, hammering ring. an anvil. Yeah, it's <laughs> nuts. It,
2: It's purposeful. Everything is intentional. Like the music was scored in five-four time. It's meant to be this very unsettling beat. Like you're thinking of an anvil being struck. But yeah, five-four once so, again. It's so
5: the music in itself it doesn't symmetrically keep repeating. No. It's asymmetrical in its repetition, and so you're like caught off guard. You're like, fuck! This is <laughs> this, the, even the music's just evil. It shouldn't have been even oh. written in this way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's. It- you you bring on this really cool topic. This this is one of the biggest motifs of Two Towers. It's the it's not an obvious motif, but it's the reclamation of nature, right? And I think this like anyone who's ever like felt for the environment or you know na- nature or wildlife or just trees in general. Mm. This is the film where they actually have their chance to get something back or to, to plot their revenge. And it's not just in the end storyline; it's the whole fact of like. Ever since like Gandalf comes back into the scene, you start he starts commenting on like oh these trees are gonna wake up, they're gonna find this them they're gonna see that they're strong. But all elements of nature are slowly kind of finding their power. Like when he when he comes out, when Gandalf comes out of the forest and he calls uh Shadow Yes. And Shadowfax that's one of my favourite scenes in this movie. Like that, one- that scene they did in one take. Yeah, this yeah. this blows my mind. How the mind. hell did you horse train like well, that's <laughs> this, nuts. Because I I could have sworn from the moment I saw that scene when I was a kid, that beautiful long shot of the horse coming in and coming to Gandalf and like literally bowing its head when its name is called. I thought it was that must have like graphically altered a shot or done this like the feet don't look right. It wasn't until I saw it in high definition that I'm like, this is real. All that's real. The horse was real. The thing was real. And what does he call
5: him? Like the Lord of all horses. Lord of all
2: horses. And Legolas nice. is obviously like, "That is one of the meras. Unless my eyes are cheated by some score. <laughs> <laughs> like, again, his 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 natural. Man, his natural Legolas insight. is into
5: horse porn. <laughs> <laughs> nah,
2: but
5: yeah, it's it's, it's, cool.
2: it's that, and even even the score is basically saying this is the Lord of all horses, and it's like I love that concentration on nature, right? It, it focuses on that, and then the trees, obviously, like the ants finding, and also the
5: solution to it there. is like they riv- they break a dam right which is also like you're breaking the unnatural holding of correct, water correct. right you're yeah, yeah. letting
2: a river flow that's it you're letting Natural. nature just do its yeah, thing yep yeah, yep yeah. and it completely decimates all of uh, yeah the factories and the the setup in Isengard who
5: says is it gandalf or someone says when the forest the forest will be woken is it gandalf that says it
2: yeah it's when he's when he's talking to like aragorn gimli and like us and When they're in the forest. When they're in the forest. Yeah. It's like, they still have a purpose. Something's about to happen that has not happened for an age. The trees are going to wake up and they find out they're strong. And then Gimmy's like, strong. Oh, that's good. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's (laughs) 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 good. He probably has his stupid laugh. (laughs) Oh,
4: man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
5: And the, uh, the, the,
2: when the Ents march, the last march of the Ents, that theme, like, which is headed up by one of the boys' choir, if you, you hear that theme first in Fellowship of the Ring, when, like, the camera's going across Isengard and a small moth flies towards Gandalf, you hear, like, a lone yeah, choir. Yeah. That's the first time you hear the reclamation of nature theme. And it doesn't come into full power until this scene in Last March of the Ents. Where but it's, it's, the full it's, it's the
5: nature. Of the, so it's the theme that comes up, yeah, with the moth, with the eagles, yep. with the Ents. Yep. And then it'll come back to when the eagles pick them up in the mountain right, right at the end. It's yeah. Whenever you, yeah, it's this magical nature sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's it's really a beautiful good, really motif nice. of the films, yeah. and,
2: and I love the two towers for at least exploring that that side of you know trees kicking us, you know, yeah, coming back and that scene itself. Tolkien was inspired from reading Macbeth. There's a, there's a line in Macbeth where the yeah, forest, forests the forest,
5: forest. I was about to say, is this a Macbeth? Yeah, a the Macbeth
2: think. theme, but he was so disappointed by the theatrical display of it. It was just a bunch of kids wearing twigs on his on their heads. Pretend to be the forest, and he was just so disappointed. He's like, "I'm gonna write a better scene than this." Yeah. He just furiously wrote this whole scene of the forest marching to Helm's Deep, and they depicted that in the extended edition, which is really yeah. Because
5: cool. what do they say at the Battle of? They say is it Duncan? No, it's um Duncan or whatever in Macbeth. Is like, oh, you'll only be defeated when the forest of something comes Correct. to the castle wall. that's yeah, written yeah, in, yeah, That's what Shakespeare wrote or whatever, and that's yeah, that's kind yeah. of. It's a big reference.
2: Big reference. He's a huge Shakespeare fan,
5: Tolkien. Yeah. So, he- I mean, who else are you? A fan? If you're English, <laughs> who yeah. else do you? That is true. <laughs> <laughs> if you're English and you're in the bloody 1900s. One in the ni- early yeah. 1900s, who else you got, bro? It's, I mean, he- Tolkien would, the only other person he could be inspired by was himself. Yeah. He's next. Him and C.S. Lewis are next. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then, then you start getting all the good writers as well. Yeah. The rest.
2: And, and while we're still on topic of Treebeard and the Ants, props to the, Graphics department, they really made uh, Treebeard was believably good. Like the CGI, I think it's because they they actually built a two scale animatronic of Treebeard, and they did CGI on top of that. Mm. So they that's what the movement looks like stilted. It it looks like a tree is walking essentially. Yeah, Yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny like Mm -hmm. uh, Merry and Pippin uh, were basically seated on these big, big like metal prosthetic animatronic hands. But they were sitting on bicycle seats that were backwards, so it really hurt their balls in one right <laughs> area. You could, see, and they, that's one of their like most painful memories of uh, yeah. of, of sitting there. <laughs> it's so good, Dominic yeah. Monaghan and yeah. um, and uh, Billy Boyd. Yeah.
5: Ooh, are there any other parties that are involved? They they have that's, this scene at the end in the extended edition where where they get food from the from yeah, I which think. is funny because technically that means that so. Is there any other human apart from Wormtongue that's in the Tower of Isengard? They're not at least they're not shown in.
2: It's just Saruman, and I mean, so are it's, you it's telling me
5: Saruman has this massive fuck off kitchen where he's just making all these turkeys and shit? <laughs> yeah, it's and so long bottom fun.
2: leaf, and he's smoking weed, which he lambasted Gandalf on doing. So I'm pretty yeah. sure he's getting high. <laughs>
5: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, well, Tolkien said it's it's not weed; it's actually nicotine. He's actually said it. Oh, okay. Nicotania.
2: Nicotania. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like tobacco leaf, but it's they call tobacco. it long bottom leaf, which is like, yeah, yeah. The best, yeah, what pipe they weed. call it,
5: the best pipeweed in South Fair. South Farthing. Uh, South Farthing Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. They just smoke a storm and eat all this random shit. And they say that, no, we shouldn't tell Treebeard. Could be one of his cousins, relatives and all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true.
2: That's funny. Yeah. yeah. That is funny. Oh, that's good. And it um, ends with
5: that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, and it
5: ends it, with extended edition ends with. Well, extended. It, it ends with, um, Golem and and Frodo. Well, no, extended edition with Saruman ends with him dying.
2: No, that's Return of the King opening. Return of the King Yeah, <laughs> the King. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah. So it ends on on uh, Golem.
2: Ends on Golem. Yeah. The only party we haven't covered, I think, is Theoden. Yes. In, like specifically his own. Specifically, little arc. Yeah, yeah, the,
3: yeah. I will say the scene where you see his transformation and it's all one shot
2: is dope. It's, yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. So, so they had yeah. to do. Multiple shots. One of Bernard Hill whose guy who acts as dad and wearing the full makeup prosthetics. Then they did another shot with him wearing mid level beard and then one with him wearing. And then sort of transitioned it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah. does he
5: say? He he also has this amazing line when when he gets converted, when he comes back to normal. Yeah. What does he say? He has like o'production. Darker sure been he, my darker right. been my dreams sure of I knew you'd know the line. Yeah. Some of these lines are incredible. Yeah. So well written. Yeah, what did he say? Dark have dark,
2: dark been like, my dreams of late. And then Gandalf's like, your old, he's like, he's holding his fingers. And then Gandalf is like, your hands remember their old strength best if they were to grasp your sword. And then, like, you know, a gambling is giving him a sword. Not gambling, sorry, his other one, his other, his other right hand. And then, uh, oh, the music when he picks up his sword. Beautiful. Like the violins they used were specifically from like the Nordic regions of, uh, mm. of like Iceland. They, they had these, well, the they way they made late, that yeah.
5: town is very, Viking. So, yeah, yeah, having yeah. like this township and then having this big king's hut at the top yep. is like so Viking. That's how all Viking towns and, work.
2: And all of the woodwork, they use like Celtic uh, interlaced artistry to make it look very Celtic origin, Anglo Saxon yeah. origin. And uh, well, Tolkien based Rohan and, and the Kingdom of Rohan off of Beowulf, which is a very Anglo Saxon. Inspired mythical tale. Yeah,
5: Beowulf was yeah it was so, his direct inspiration. Direct like, inspiration. Yeah, was yeah, the first thing he did was he translated one of his Actually, first all,
2: all the names from- like Eomer. First Tolkien did from, was do a
5: yeah. translation of Beowulf. I think is one of yeah. his first pieces of writing, and then a lot of, lot Which of I Aowyn. don't understand anything about Beowulf. I, I think it's like I don't know much about it. in Some early early mythology, but
2: it, it's it's a much more connected mythology. I guess you could say it's not it's not as fantastical. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So like the whole kingdom of Rohan, you you're you're bought into it. Like the fact that they chose such an amazing location like Eteras. And they they found this place. Every by the way, every shot you see in two towers that's got like Eteras with mountains in the back, it's not CGI. That's re- that's the real deal. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing where people are like, oh, I don't know if that's real anymore. It, it, it's genuine. It's good stuff. So you have, yeah, like I was saying, the culture of Rohan, we get the first insight into culture of the uh Ethelian Rangers, Isengard obviously, Mordor, Urukai, and Orcs. Easterlings right the men of the east you have the harad you see people with like the the south southrons and the Oliphants. then you've got the uh, the elves of Lorien come as well halfway through and you see yeah, yeah, the hobbits and whatnot it, there's so many cultures in this film it's it's this is what i mean by this is like an all inclusive a full exposé of all the peoples of middle earth it's pretty diverse it's awesome dope stuff it's good i think we covered every character
5: think so every character, this is like right? 2 hours long
2: yeah <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's there's a lot of behind the scenes detail and, and things that people went through and all that it's, kind of stuff. I, I literally went through and I wrote down all the lyrics from the score, like moments where the the, yeah, right. the choir was singing in some Elvin Elven, elven script. I find
5: it crazy that he created his own Elven languages and dwarf languages and That's, he, yeah. he has his own like the language of Mordor. Yeah. Which is in itself like this.
2: Yeah. It's so cool. Visceral and, and, thing. Like the that depth comes from a linguist. Like he, if he wasn't yeah. a linguist, he wouldn't find that depth. Yeah, it's it's a, really interesting
5: things. in the Hobbit the way they made Benedict Cumberbatch do the shadow. What do they call it? Shadow the shadow speak or whatever. That, whatever when he's speaking the dark tongue. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, when he smelled? No, no. When he's Sauron. When he does Sauron in Dusseldorf, whatever. He's the voice of Sauron. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah in Lord of the Rings? No, in The Hobbit. Oh, in The Hobbit. In The Hobbit. Oh, in Dol Guldur. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dol he um does the voice, but what he does is he has what he needs to say. He says it in reverse and then they reverse that to,
2: oh, make, to make it, it sound, sound so really like endearing. visceral and
5: really fucked up.
3: Yeah, black speech.
2: Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Anyway, side point.
3: Yeah, we've pretty much covered everything. I've got two pieces of trivia. Some body count. We talked about this in Fellowship. What do you think the body count was in uh Two Towers?
2: Oh, the total body count? Yeah. How many oh, it fucked? Okay, so it's going to be, (laughs) it's got to be, it's got to be more than 10,000 because all the Uruks die. I'm going to say, all the Uruks from Isengard die. Yeah, which is 10,000 strong. So I'm going to say that plus all the elves. Oof, it's got to be something like, I'm going to say something 15,000. I have no
5: clue. Yeah, sure.
3: (laughs) So someone's, again, I think this is underestimated. So officially on IMDb, it's 469.
2: That's it? Yeah. 4, 6, 9? Yeah. Okay. No, but As in like, a, what, the, the deaths you see on screen. On screen. I think on that's on what it is. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. screen okay. yeah. On screen, deaths. Yeah. On screen yeah. deaths. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah makes sense. that makes on sense. On
3: screen, yeah.
2: That's interesting. That's pretty cool. Still, the four sixty nine 6, deaths. That's some pretty gruesome deaths. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that orc that gets torn up. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the orc flotmates. Back on the menu, boys. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah,
5: they tear him up and his intestines go flying.
3: <laughs> and lastly, Peter Jackson's children... Billy Jackson and Katie Jackson appear as cute Rohan refugee children.
5: Uh, oh, nice. Interesting. The, the ones that are actually in the scene get told, you know, that mum tells the kids. I, I so don't them. think it's them. No, no, I, don't
3: think no I, I don't think it's them. I
5: think it's, you just see them oh,
2: in the nice. background. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: That's cool. That's and,
2: it. And Viggo, uh, one small tidbit was uh, obviously all the actors gave their gave their all for this film. Some people, like Viggo Mortensen almost died three times in this one. but He in the river and stuff and that kind of stuff, so. In his makeup booth, on his uh, in his makeup trailer, above his mirror, he had the motto "Adapt and overcome," and that was the one mantra that he would basically live on day in day out. Apparently, according to his makeup artists and Orlando yeah. Bloom and all the stunt stunts,
5: like early Orlando Bloom, isn't it? It's yeah. his first second movie. His second movie, straight Street. up. Yeah, he was in yeah. straight bangers.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah,
5: and then but has he been in any good movies since Pirates? Pirates?
4: I Pirates, guess. Apart, oh yeah. Apart
2: Pirates.
5: from those, not really. Not really, right? <laughs> yeah, Yeah.
2: Yeah. but it's a uh, yeah man what a film what a yeah. journey and that final monologue by Sam at the end yes that's amazing actually yeah actually, there
3: was a, a piece of trivia about that so um that wasn't going to be how they ended the movie
4: yeah
2: and
3: there's another thing that Sam says actually by rights we shouldn't even be here that was meant to be the last line that he says and that's a nod to the book as well because in the book they don't actually go to uh osculius
2: yeah no they don't. yeah yeah oh where do they get to in so yeah. they pass straight through, apparently in the books. I'm not, actually, I don't know. I haven't read this they far. They just get to Ines. I feel like they, they, go, they skirt Mordor, essentially. They don't go into oscilia So
3: that was a deviation and they kind of nodded to that in the yeah. dialogue. And yeah. is,
2: was it Sean Austin who wanted to actually say more in that monologue? So he actually asked Philippa Boyens and-, and uh, Potentially, yeah. Like if, yeah. If, if he could say more but about the situation instead of just ending it on that line. And they actually had that beautiful monologue of him saying, you know, because there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Like, that's why people keep going. Yes. Yes. And for yeah, like Elijah was like, well, what are we holding on to Sam? And Sam's like, yeah, because there's some good in this world. And it's yes. like, that's a really powerful line.
5: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. And
3: that, yeah. doesn't he talk about how they're going to uh, tell stories about their, about their journey and Frodo. And then Frodo's like, oh, they're forgetting one of the
5: main heroes, which is Sam. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's right yeah, before that's the end Right scene. before the yeah, end yeah, 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 Yeah. That's right. And, the, yeah. and
5: also that scene is when Faramir finally sees what, is going on with Frodo and Sam, like, says, can you not see what it's doing to him? Like, that's when, like, Faramir actually kind of, he proves that he's, like, he understands, like, a higher purpose. He understands which Boromir couldn't do. Boromir yeah. was, like, short-sighted in that he could only see that the ring could achieve something, but... Faramir then just pulls back a bit and he's like, "I understand," and he lets them go. And
3: he yeah. tells them yeah. how, and, and he so, also gives um, Gollum a very stern warning as well before yeah. he lets them go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: There's one detail I do know. <laughs> Gollum that clearly, he, doesn't give a fuck about his. He <laughs> <laughs> Faramir Fe, Fe, in the books doesn't have such an arc. He's he's always even keeled and good. But in the movies, they intentionally made him come close to the evil side so they can give him a good redemption arc. And he gets yeah. even.
5: He gets a very in the extended scenes. He gets an extent. He gets a redemption, doesn't he? In in the next movie.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Oh, but in Return of the King's one of those films where in the extended editions, it doesn't actually apart from Gandalf in the very beginning where he says um, Sauron, Saruman. He
5: it's not much different. He's like shown to be with Eowyn. Yeah, what's that name? Eowyn. Yeah. But you
2: see that in theatrical as well. Yeah, no, in the theatrical. No, I thought it's only extended. And it, there's, what? There's, there's, oh. a, there's a there's a drawn out scene in extended, but towards a theatrical edition, the very I think you end you just see them yeah. together. In the coronation, you see yeah. them together and they're both yeah. looking lovingly, oh, they're gonna get married. It's like, yeah, that's cool. They deserve each other.
5: Yeah, until you realize is gay. Who knows? He could be. How do you know? Hey, it's
2: an open textbook. It's open to interpretation. Exactly. All right.
5: So I think that brings us to the end of Two Towers. So we've only got Return of the King left. Two Towers, best movie of the trilogy. No, no. of start of Return of the King is also amazing. I like the first half of Return of the King. second half, obviously, yeah, sure, whatever. It's too much Frodo and Sam for me.
2: (laughs) I I think I, I would actually, after watching Two Towers, I would say... Right now, I'm in that mood. It's slightly better than Fellowship. Fellowship has some amazing moments, but Two Towers builds upon that and still comes out strong.
3: Yeah, and I think everything we've discussed, there's obviously a lot more depth yeah. than I first intended there to be in, in Two Towers, mm. the stuff around nature and all of that. That's it's very interesting. Yeah. It's all hidden. There's, there's yeah. so
5: much in there. It's so yeah, much.
2: So very- much in there. I'm, I'm sure when I listen, listen to this podcast – You know, you know. In a couple of weeks' time, I'll be like, I don't listen to this podcast. I'll be like, oh, (laughs) we didn't talk about this, or we didn't talk about that. We're gonna, I am gonna forget something. But it's just like that's the great thing about these things—you can never stop talking about them. Yeah,
5: that's right. But
2: we have to at some point, otherwise, this is gonna get way too long.
5: (laughs) It is so long already.
2: Uh, Apologies if I did sign a bit fast. It wasn't sped up. That's my natural tempo. So I need to, I need to control how fast I talk.
5: Well, I listen to the podcast at one point five anyway, like all podcasts, either one point two five or one point five. So. So maybe you might just have to listen to this at one time. So.
3: <laughs> All right. So if you want to get in touch with us about your thoughts on Lord of the Rings. Um comment on TikToks and
5: verbally you abuse can, everyone involved. You can <laughs> definitely, everyone. Abuse everyone. <laughs> yes. You nice, can definitely do nice. that.
3: Um or you can send us an email on cognitive recalibration podcast at gmail.
5: Or do the song. No, <laughs> do the cover. Do the cover. I'll, I'll release you, a remix if I'll we get that. if we get a hundred thousand views on the next Cognitive Recall TikTok. Yeah, we'll get. <laughs> we'll have to remix Basker's we'll, we'll song. Get, yeah, we'll do Basker can so. redo. Who this knows?
2: Song. It might even appear on iTunes. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Perfect. You get absolutely stung by copyright.
3: <laughs> oh my
2: god!
3: All right, and obviously we're on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Follow us all of those. Stay tuned for TikToks and reels. Are you
5: gonna get on YouTube soon?
3: Soon. Yeah, yeah. We're going to post the full Soon. episodes on YouTube uh, in video format. Yeah. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. But And where's a uh, Good question. He's got COVID.
2: <laughs> He's watching Return of the King. <laughs> He's got
3: COVID. Yeah, so he'll he'll be returning for Return of the King. So, uh, thanks, Basker and Kuri. Thanks for joining us. No worries. It's
2: a pleasure as always. Thanks for having us.
3: It was good
5: fun. And, it was nice.
3: Uh, we'll see when we do Return of the King. First, we've got to watch it so we've got to, it's, it's <laughs> yes. a big planning oh, yeah. process just to watch these and then record these it yeah. takes
2: so, a whole day yeah. yeah it's I don't know how people do marathons man it's I
5: want what like, Rings of Power coming up review
3: uh, yeah following Return of the King will be Rings of Power
2: yeah uh, we might have to do it in two episodes or something or three Four Rings of Power Four Rings of Power, Rings of Power. yeah maybe uh, uh, we'll
5: see if there's can to, to join. that yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see yeah. yeah hopefully maybe it's, it'll probably it'll be after my exam so
2: yeah probably join. yeah 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 I'm keen
3: all right well, you got all that to look forward to, and then after our Lord of the Rings, we're on a bit of a Lord of the Rings thing at the moment. But after that, we've got
5: we uh, can review the MCU after that.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, we got we going to get triggered by this.
3: We will have She-Hulk, which will
1: planning for your next trip.
3: Also, finish around that time, and then it uh, doesn't
5: take long to review She Hulk. <laughs>
3: Not if we get you on. <laughs>
4: uh,
3: and then uh, Black Panther is in November, Black Adam is in October. So, um, other comic book stuff coming up. So nice. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Hope you're all
4: staying safe, and we'll see you in the next one.
2: Catch you guys. Take
4: care. Catch you later.